Let's Roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for ranks, flanks, and kings of war. as they delve into the world of Panathor and bring you worldwide coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Kyle Dino Lord Bull. I'm Shannon Shoemaker. I'm Travis Country Boy Tim. And uh, I'm Ralph Enough, and we're back again for another Goblin Army review. We just did one, gosh, 2020 maybe? And I know Shannon, I think you were on it. I think so. It's time. Clash of Kings has uh, changed things up. Maybe didn't nerf them enough is what they're saying. Possible to nerf goblins. They're always nerfed every year. We're the elf list for people who have standards. So why don't you guys share your goblin credentials? Start with Travis. I've played goblins since back in fantasy days. I've always played them. In Kings of War, you played other armies, but it seems like you always go back to the goblins when you want to win. It's what I'm most comfortable with, right? Like, So you always go back with what you're most comfortable with and... Goblins has always been that. I, they fit my play style of a horde army, and that's what I like. I like lots of units, lots of drops, lots of options. So that's that's always been what I do. We have to acknowledge the fact that Shannon's out of retirement now because he had a couple. It was a couple year hiatus where you weren't playing with us. Played one tournament in 2022, just Bug Eater, and then this year I was only going to play Crossroads, but things went so well, I decided I'd go play at Michigan too. How, how'd you finish in Michigan? Well, other than the loss to Travis, I did pretty well, but I ended up third place at Michigan. Nice. It's a good finish. Playing at Goblins a long time, and I believe that was the army you took to San Antonio to win the Paragon. Yes. Kind of running a similar list to what I did the two tournaments this year with a couple of Chariot Legions and Hordes back then, but Chariot Legions, Chariot Kings, and Giants. I've really enjoyed that list. That San Antonio list was a lot of fun probably the best best i've ever played with goblins too and over to you kyle give us your goblin credentials an above mediocre player who sometimes win tournaments and mostly just uh doesn't suck more often than he sucks well guys give me your motivation for playing this army we'll start with travis i just love playing goblins so i love the look of people when they see 20 drops plus on the board and they're just they have their 11 it's great a healthy blend of self-loathing and inflated ego. Plus, Down, Down, Down in Goblin Town has been stuck in my head since I was but a wee lad. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a classic, man. There's nothing better than just like 80 or 90,000 pieces of cannon fodder protecting one good unit. I really enjoy the list, and I've got... I really like the Arachnorok spiders from GW as well, so I've been using those as Chariot Legions for ages, and think those are some of my favorite models that i've painted up so i enjoy putting them on the table and then i really like the chariot king units as well and just kind of running it all together well let's get into the background of the goblins one thing that's really cool about goblins is that that's a fantasy race that's prolific in every fantasy setting known to man going all the way back to tolkien kings of war the you know the the, the world of panathor is no exception you can typically find goblins kind of floating around orcs and ogres or on their own in great numbers. And there's an old wives' tale that Garkon the Black created the goblins. You know, whatever was left from the orcs, that's what they used. And, you know, Garkon's created a lot of things, uh, as you would have heard in the episode about the herd, kind of the progenitor of some of that stuff as well. The two big takeaways I've always had from, like, traditional fantasy, right? Wizards of the Coast, 
Tolkien, generic fantasy, chainmail, what what have you, is goblins in Panathor are always described as like hyper vicious, intelligent, evil, evil little bastards. That's how they've been described. And that's always one of my big takeaways is they're not like, let's build a, a booby trap to catch them in the darkness. It's we'll just be vicious, mean, evil, and we'll create weapons of mass destruction. It almost reminds me more of like a blend between chaos and Skaven than like traditional fantasy trope goblins, unless you're like Shannon and then he only plays with chariots. But lore wise, they're super unique and they're they're representing something you don't see a lot. Like they're not the throwaway fodder of GW and they're not mindless minions like in Lord of the Rings. So there's a lot of lore there and I can't wait for more books. They're one of the more evil armies in the game from a lore standpoint. And huge shout out to Rob Berman, The Ascent of the Goblin King. If you haven't read it yet, Roger is an amazing character. He's breathed a lot of life into the world. If you haven't read it, you are overdue. You should pick it up. It's a great read. I mean, goblin players aren't playing it for the fluff. Let's be honest. Come on, guys. You might tell yourself that, yeah, I'm, I'm a fluff bunny, but no, that's not true. What is this, halflings? Yeah, you're right, Rob. I'm, I'm playing it for the drops. Well, and the sweet, sweet bangets and the trombones and the mincers. Less sweet bangets is what you meant to say. They still blow shit up. <laughs> They won't take an Earth Elemental Horde off the table anymore. That's right. Which I did do once. Well, we're going to start with the Army Special Upgrade, which hasn't changed. Uh, it's the Maw Pup. Uh, you know, it's basically extra attacks. It's six extra attacks that always hit on fours. Uh, and the Resolve of Crushing Strength, one. They're kind of like throwing Mastiffs, but rather than a range attack, it's it's extra attacks in combat. I love them. And then the fact is you now have units like the Maw Pup Launcher you can reload or give people that have the cages with them, you can, you know, you can reload those, those cages uh, with the mop up launcher, which is really unique to have a, you know, a war engine that can either shoot artillery, you know, shoot the dogs into combat or shoot their own units and provide a, a, a benefit for future combats. Just talk to me about that special rule in relation to all the other special rules in the game. The only thing from a mechanical standpoint that was omitted, Rob, is mop ups, unless everything changed and my life got easier. I don't believe you can hold it, right? It is the first, yeah, must be used when the unit attacks in melee. Yeah, and it doesn't double or triple in the flank or the rear. Yeah. It's it's six extra attacks hitting on fours, so you can't hold it. That must thing, if you're going to spend a bunch of points on it, you can theoretically bait out those extra two wounds or three wounds with like chaff or whatever. It's one of the few musts, I think, in the game. Right? Like throwing massive I can hold. Uh, the ogre crocodiles, you can hold. The shard of Basileon. No one plays that faction. You can hold. There's all sorts of pieces. The This one you have to do. Um, so I find myself not paying the 10 points to buy it, but I will shoot myself with a mop-up launcher in lieu of not having a good target. It is really nice to have six attacks that always hit on fours. With crushing one, which most, most of the goblin infantry doesn't have crushing one. Only a goblin player is excited about six attacks on fours. You're hitting on fours, but you don't have to worry about train or anything. It's good for goblins. Just in the rest of the game, you're like, six on fours? I don't think I've ever used them because it just hasn't made sense in the list I had. And mop-up launchers, I don't think I've ever taken those either. It's definitely useful, I think. I mean, if, you, if you're if you taking mop-up launchers and you've got rabble, flea bag riders, either one, you know, those extra two or three wounds when you're playing goblins can certainly help out. 
Well, let's get into the infantry. We'll start with the rabble. Nothing's changed there. They are still speed five, Malay five, defense four. They come in a regiment, horde, and legion. Two, three, four, unit strength, 12, 25, 30. Attacks, 12, 14, 19, 21, and 25, 27. Nerve and 75, 125, and 180. As we just mentioned, they can get maw pups for 10 points. They have they have the expendable goblin and maw pup cage keywords. This is the unit that you buy hordes and hordes and hordes and hordes and hordes. This is what gives you the unlocks because you, you get your monster slash titan, your war engine, and your hero. It gives you in one 125-point unit, it gives you access to all the other stuff that makes the army work. So... They are the unlocking unit, right? Standard human shield wall for goblins. So, and and obviously, you know, typically with goblins, you're getting your damage out of your heroes, monsters. So, for most most lists, this is the key unlocking unit that they're going to use to unlock all the units that will do something during the battle. Build them in regiments. Usually, take them in hordes, and then uh, don't build a legion, and you're pretty much set. For Rabble, I recommend getting about 16 regiments worth. Um, that'll let you build whatever combination you want. And if you want to be petty, 30 regiments is a 2,300-point list with a couple of inspiring heroes. But 16 regiments can combine in any way to build Jeff O'Neill style list, my style list, Travis style list. Shannon doesn't count. He uses chariots. You can build whatever garbage Rob's trying to play. At about 16 regiments, there's nothing else you could possibly need to play anything 2,500 points or less. And the thought process of not legions is that anything that'll kill a horde in one go will also kill a legion, right? Yeah, you're not wounding people. You're not an axe legion. You're just slightly more expensive for three unlocks. For 55 more points, you're getting one extra unit strength and five extra attacks. It's a whole damn wizard. 20 more points on top of that, and you have another regiment. And I'm slowly getting there, Kyle. I'm up to three hordes in a regiment now. <laughs> Well, not everyone can be cool, Shannon. Some of us retired for three years. Well, let's get into the unit that has changed. As everybody knows at this point, Phalanx has gotten cheaper in the game, and Sharp Sticks are no exception. They're very similar to what we just talked about, uh, Rabble, in in terms of Speed 5, Malay 5+, plus and Defense 4, and still 2, 3, and 4 unit strength and attacks 15, 30, and 35, with a nerve of 12, 14, 19, 21, and 25, 27. So other than the, the attacks... They're pretty much exactly the same, but they went down in points. So they used to be 95, 155, and 230, and now they're 85, 140, and 205. Puts them in an interesting spot, 15 points more than Rabble with all the cavalry and flying units out there. That makes them potentially viable. The 15 points, the one issue is that, you know, that's more than, what, more than 10% of a, a Rabble horde. So you're taking those points away from other heroes or items, but it makes them probably you at least think about it maybe this this year depending on the meta you see right you're seeing people play a lot of flying and a lot of alpha strike stuff a unit or two of regiments and or a horde like wouldn't be a bad choice to anchor a flank so the sharp six for me still sit in an interesting spot because we didn't get the unit strength jump that we see on some of the more spicy sharp stick equivalents, right? Spearmen, pikemen, what have you. So you can't buy that cheeky undead regiment and stick it in the woods and have an extra unit strength on it. We're not fearless. And the general rule, even with phalanx, if it was going to kill you before, it still has a good chance of killing you now because that base defense four uh, spears don't stop arrows. There is something to be said, though, for some of the other synergies in the list where maybe looking at moving around 
But when I'm looking at like, do I change my list, Rob? One of the answers is for two spear hordes, that's 30 points, which is half of a pivotal like core design unit, right? Like a wizard, um, a banner bearer, hell, even a bigot with like a blade of slashing can do two wounds in combat. I don't hate it. I don't think that it made it an auto include, which is sort of the RC's goal through all these edits, right? We haven't seen a unit where they were like, we're going to buff it. I don't hate the change. I think it makes all my rabble, which are actually just sharp sticks that I call rabble, might get to be spearmen. Maybe. The extra attacks don't really matter. And the phalanx is situational. You're seeing less and less cavalry. So then you're really talking about like things like Dracons and, and Order of the Forsaken. They don't care if they're hitting on fours instead of threes knock out a horde with one go it'll slow you down i mean if you strip depending on how reliant they're on tc i guess most of that has crush one but you're still you know you're instead of taking 35 percent wounds now you're taking less than 30 30 percent wounds out of the hits it can force a double charge right you're, you're getting to the point where you force a double charge it'll take them two turns to clean you up because a lot of times their rabble hordes are in that range where they break it in one go but they just break it in one go so you you'd knock off three wounds and now they're going to have trouble breaking you in one go likely six is twice to nine is twice one of the things that's interesting though is that you guys are talking horde 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 right because that's what you need for the unlocks traditional thinking with phalanx units is you don't take the horde because then they can bring the house and they can knock you out in one go whereas you give them a regiment target it's harder to get two units in it's a little sneakier i mean would you guys ever play the regiments if you're taking just a regiment in my world rob you're you're Looking at most of my list, if you see a regiment, it's because I need one more monster or one more hero or one sort of, I don't need a horde's worth of unlocks, right? For unlock efficiency, I'm looking for the cheapest tax to break that trio of efficiencies. 10 points on a regiment, that's 10 points. That's a mop-up upgrade, right? So I'm looking at, do I want six attacks? Do I want to give Brutal to a King on Chariot, which is a huge force multiplier? I'm saying all this because we don't know how the Clash of Kings meta is going to shift out, right? If we start seeing like skirmish cav and medium flyers become a really strong meta, everything we're talking about in this is trash because a regiment with phalanx is going to stop medium melee and skirmish stuff. Like if Scorch Wings become a melee unit, a sharpstick regiment survives that. It's just interesting that traditionally we don't take these guys in hordes in a lot of armies. The way goblins are built, though, you want them to double charge stuff. Yeah. We already have the outnumbering normally for units and drops. And if they're spending two units to charge our expendable rabble hordes and our expendable sharp stick hordes, that's what goblin players want to happen. You want those two units right in your kill box, right? Because that's probably where you've got your horde lined up. Phrase we're going to talk a lot about tonight, which is the kill box. The only thing I'd be concerned too on the regiments is with the 1214, we know you're going to run into the lightning bolt list and the light shooting list. And 1214 just puts you in that range, which is why I don't know that I would take them over rabble as well because same thing as kyle i'm looking for the unlock and at 12 14 I, i'd be afraid they get shot off to light shooting uh, i i don't think they're auto take over the ra- over rabble but i think they're viable alternate you also bring up the, the if you look at the other armies that have phalanx units a lot of them are more elite so as you said they have higher unit strength number one on the regiment but they also have like a 14 16 nerve like in kingdoms of Ben. right you're absolutely right with 12 14 you're already at a puncher's chance a few wounds and you can knock it out with one go. Whereas at least the horde, it's going to survive around a lightning bolt, probably. So the luggets come in two sizes, troops and regiments. Uh, they're speed five, melee four, defense four, which is most standard infantry that you'll see in goblins anyways. They've got unit strength one and then unit strength three. 
uh, 15 attacks, 20 attacks. They're dash 11, dash 15 nerve for 105 points and 160 points respectively. But they come with some nice special rules that your regular goblins don't. They got Brutal, Crush 1, and Wild Charge D3. And then they can still take the Mop Up upgrade. They have Berserker, Goblin, and then they get the Mop Up cage, so you can reload them. But spicy stuff comes later on in the list with the new flag, which might make these guys a little more potential to take. And Luggets don't normally come as a horde, but there is a unique version called Grogger's Lug Lads, which comes as a horde, uh, and you get a, an extra pip of unit strength. You get another, you get an extra five attacks, a dash 22 for 245 points, and everything else, everything else is the same. So you run these, Kyle, don't you? You've run probably the most. I've run a lot of different experiments on them. To me, the troop, the regiment, and the unique horde each play completely different. It's not like the rabble where it's just unlocks and it's like each of them serves a whole different version. So I'm happy to go through how I do it. All three of us will probably have very different answers, Rob, because the, the luggets sort of divide the goblin world. I would say the high-end competitive players don't take luggets, right? Because you're not buying infantry to do the killing. You're, you're buying infantry to unlock the stuff to do the killing. But I will say I have played a lot of luggets. I've actually not tried the horde, but mostly in troops and regiments. And I'll have hordes of rabble and they'll take the punch. And then you send the luggets in as a second wave or a troop of luggets off the hill into the flank of Hurim does a lot of damage. You know, if you, you can get them bane chanted. What's interesting is the troop is 15 attacks. If you can get a flank with that, it's devastating. Now, it's dash 11. Yeah, lightning bolt one kills it. Lightning bolt takes it out. You get one bad round. So that's why you've got to keep them hidden. And unfortunately, it's a catch 22. If you keep them really hidden so they can't see you, well, then you can't see them either. And it's harder from a position standpoint. So then sometimes you end up taking the regiment, which is 55 extra points, and you're only getting an extra five attacks for that. So it's it's a catch 22. You know, this is a conversation that started on uh, one of our previous episodes, just about berserkers in general. Right, they're in a weird place. They died of shooting relatively easy. You, you got, you need stuff to deliver them, and that's kind of not what goblins want to do. The goblins want to like, they set up, and they're like a Venus flytrap. You you suck them in, and then you got them, and then your bangets and your trombones do their magic. Whereas the luggets are more want to run out and hit something in the head. Unfortunately, then you get maybe too far away from inspiring and, and stuff. But we will talk about you know uh, the one thing here that I think will help luggets is the the new standard which we'll talk about down the Ew. road because the new flagger has some potential here because if these guys are hindered they're hitting on fives, it's not, it's not a good day. No, it'll help Rob. But when I look at the luggets, basically I break it down three ways. The troops are a really solid second line, especially if you want to play a more melee centric, right? Like not everybody loves playing the, the bang it plus war trombone battery or the shooting line. So luggage troops just fit everywhere. I know you take a lot of troops in the slow grow league, the regiment for me has never really found a sweet spot. Dash 15 is not that great. Unit strength three is cool, but if you're using them as unit strength, it's cheaper to buy a whole horde. So the troops I see play, the regiments I leave behind, and then the Luglad horde, I played a lot of games with them. And what I found was nine times out of 10, I paid 245 points to hold an objective that nobody messed with. They projected threat sort of this 11 or 12 inch bubble that nobody wanted to mess with. And if you didn't start shooting at them, turn two or three, they're fearless. So they lived. And a lot of times they didn't actually fight. What they did was I paid a 10% army tax and I held an objective 
and no one contested it because you don't want to miss against 30 attacks. If you're bringing the lug lads, you're probably bringing Bane chant. Um, but no, the, for me, the luggets really weren't a combat unit. The horde held objectives, the troop did damage. And then anytime I look at the regiment, you could just take a mincer troop, a mincer mob troop instead. And like I, the math doesn't work out for me why you wouldn't just take a mincer troop. So luggets have a place, but the horde is cool. I usually don't fight with it. It just wins objectives and people leave you alone. The good news is that the the best thing about the luggets though are the models. They're they're incredible. They're dope. Some of the best goblin sculpts that Mantic makes. Who wants to take us into range infantry? Anybody want to talk about spitters? Haven't played them since they unlocked. I mean, I never did the six hordes that Jeff O'Neill did, but I usually took one horde back in the day when they unlocked just for some plank damage, right? They could clean up chaff and maybe put a couple wounds out here and there to make it easier when the rest of your lines. You took it because it was painted, Shannon. Also that. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I I just, you don't see them anymore since they don't unlock because again, you take goblin infantry to unlock. People play with them here and there. And you know, if I had extra points, maybe you take a regiment just to sit on an objective in the back and plink out a wound a turn, maybe if it does that, but range five. They have all the same issues that range five units have, right? Uh, They don't have steady aim. They only have 24 inch range. You know, and then you, you're looking at, well, a 15-point increase, and they're a regular, so they don't unlock. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they come in a res- regiment and a horde. I mean, I guess if you had the extra points and, you know, what Kyle said earlier, oh, I, I need another regiment to unlock, well, these guys aren't going to help you. And if you put them back on a pillage token in, in an deployment zone, they might not even be close to where they need them. You know, 24 inches is not terribly far i understand why they don't unlock right it makes sense i i I completely get that maybe you know if they put a limit of like one that unlocked or something you might you probably see one horde if potentially goblins don't need help unlocking so don't like as a goblin player don't give me spitters that unlock i don't need it i don't really want it if they don't unlock you won't see them but at the same time you don't want to see very many of them because that creates issues of its own as we saw before right hey they're cool in the ogre list they do stuff ogres can't do they just don't really do stuff goblins can't do exactly well, who wants to get to large infantry so i don't know if anyone plays the trolls anymore out of you you two i know people still play them i'll take the trolls only because eric trowbridge has eight painted hordes in his basement and i just played against it played them back in first edition but in first edition you got two pivots on the charge so they were great then yeah you got the two pivot on the trolls yeah uh trolls are the goblin large infantry the classic uh stupid holdover from uh warhammer days when they were actually dumb You've got the three nerve gap that all trolls are famous for. Regiments and hordes, speed six, melee four, defense five. Regiments are unit strength two, nine attacks, 11, 14, which is why nobody ever takes regiment of trolls. And at a horde with unit strength three, 18 attacks, 14, 17, they can do some interesting stuff. Crushing strength two, regen five up, so it always lets you down. The cool thing about ours is one of them gets to be upgraded with debt packs for free, And that is when this unit suffers a route result, all units, both friendly and enemy within six inches, suffers D6 plus one hits at piercing one. And then, of course, you roll the dice because you're on the clock. Um, It doesn't cause any nerve checks, but it was it's an old homage to the old bombs and blasters that goblins used to fill it with. So you can do cool stuff with a debt pack and crystal of retribution if you just don't like yourself. But 
trolls trolls are tough because they basically force you to take a king with Jarrus pendant or spend the points on item mitigation. But there's a place for them. They give you height three screen that's defense five, which are two things goblins are pretty bad at. They will spend most of the game wavered. Even if someone does two wounds to they're going to waver you. It just always happens with trolls. Auto wavered. But but like Kyle said, they'll, they'll last longer than most other things in the goblin list with defense and regen a wound here or there. And there's different regional metas. Out in the Shambling Hordes, you've got guys like Mike taking Brew of Sharpness on one and using it as sort of a right flank lawnmower, similar to how I use the Mincer regiments. He, he takes beefed up trolls. Um, he does a lot of work there. I've seen guys take like um, Vicious and Elite and run them right down the middle and just the there's a rabble horde or rabble whatever in front designed to die. And the theory is if, if you kill the rabble, I'll kill you. And if you want to shoot them in cover, they are defense five regen. So who cares? You're not killing the rabble. So there's some cool ways to do it. It really comes down to where you want to spend your points on, right? Is it chariots? Is it trolls? Is it monster mash? which is my style. Is it shooting and no friends, which is Travis's style. Rob, which is just play Kings of Men and wish you were playing goblins. But trolls are in a rough space. I can't figure out if they suck or not. I think they suck. I mean, if you were to play with them, are you always going to do the option? You're taking it. I don't care if it never does anything to anyone except me. It's a free upgrade with extra rules. That means I'm taking it. People will get upset that there's an extra rule. (laughs) People hate when you roll dice that require you to roll dice that require you to roll dice. And that's all the goblins are. I'm like, all right, this is my blast. This is my exploding sixes. This is my hit. This is my vicious. This is the triggered result from dying. Well, let's get into the cavalry. So the mobbies pack is, I think, again, they have a place to, they just don't unlock. So you don't see them very often anymore. When they did unlock, you'd see them. The other issue they had was, you know, they were, I guess too good. I forget. Did they have more attacks back in second edition? They had something that made them better in second edition. Uh, were cheaper. Maybe that was it. Maybe they were the same. Might have been the same attacks, but cheaper. Eighty points for a troop. One hundred and twenty points for a regiment. Uh, six attacks on the troop. Twelve on the regiment. Um, standard goblin nerve of nine eleven on the troop. Twelve fourteen for the regiment. They do hit on threes and crush one and nimble and vicious and melee and wild charge D3. So sometimes you'll see people take the special unit because it does unlock. Again, they suffer from the same issue in Goblin List. If they don't unlock, you don't see them. You're not going to see them as often. But uh, I kind of like, I still like them. I, I haven't taken them, but with the Rampage Aura, I was considering, you know, if there's a way to work them in with flea bags or chariots uh, along with the Rampage Aura because they do have the beast keyword. Um, having Nimble is definitely nice, and they're on a standard cav ba- base size, so you can maneuver around with that and with Nimble. I, I haven't played them in a while. The last time I played them was in a Lugget Mobbies list, which was on ub and it was just kind of for fun uh, i haven't played them in a competitive list other than the unlocking unit the mog ones but they definitely give you a little more punch kind of like the luggets right they're going to give you even as much or more punch as the luggets because of uh hitting on threes and and having nimble built in it's is pretty nice i don't know what you guys think yeah i mean the speed six with you know wild charge d3 means they're charging up to 15 which is you know Outrange Infantry. The named one, I take a lot. 
So how I come up with a name one is if I'm buying a rabble regiment for an unlock and the point disparity is like I'm unlocking 50 point model, I'm buying a 75 point unit and I'm left with this awkward amount of points. My first go to is can I turn that rabble regiment into the Mogwins bracket one? Because that's a really cool unit. Get them on a hill. They hit. You got to remember in the front, they're not doing a lot of wounds, right? 12 attacks, defense four. You're. I mean, melee three or not, you're not doing a lot of wounds. Um, but because they unlock, if you can find the the points and the, the point disparity doesn't line up, it's really nice to get a defense four unit strength three regiment that's nimble and fast and hits. Um, I say unit strength three. I hope it's still unit strength three. Yeah, it's still unit strength three. Um, so I like the named one. The troops are really awesome to screen. They're cheap. They're fast. If they get wavered, they're not in the way. The curse of every rabble. Um, but mobbies as a whole are fighting with flea bag riders and speed 10 nimble built in vicious with one more attack per tier for melee four versus three. Um, there's a lot and, and of value in speed 10 nimble. And I mean, even just a flea bag troop, I mean, I can be pressuring your flanks on turn one if you don't deploy correctly, right? We've all done it. You take the troop, you move it 20 inches and pivot, and I'm staring at Rob's flanks on turn one before he's even gone. You, you can't do that with Mobby. So it you have to build around it. Um, and the troops of Fleabags also have the beast keyword for Slasher Rampage. So it's a they're a tough buy for me. The named one, if the points don't add up, I like the named one a lot. I've had a lot of success with it. You park it in the back of your army, and that's your flyer defense. It sits there and goes, you can't land because this will hurt you. And then it scores at the end of the game. I agree completely uh, where the mobbies sit or the packs. So. Again, I think they're an interesting unit. The problem is there's so many interesting units and so many places to spin points and goblins that, that that's probably why they don't make the cut. So let's get to John Paul's question, who asks, what makes Fleabag sniffs worth taking as I never see them. Fleabag sniffs, you know, they are speed 10, melee 4, range 5 plus, defense 3. They they are irregular, uh, which is a, which is the theme here, right? If they're not unlocking and they're goblins, like, well, do I really need them? Uh, and they, you know, uh, 7 attacks and 14 attacks, 9, 11, 12, 14 nerve, uh, 105, 160. They are nimble, vicious, melee with short bows, 18 inch range with steady aim. So John Paul wants to know what makes Fleabag sniffs worth taking as I never see them. I proposed it like this, and you guys either agree or disagree with me. I think goblins have a lot of there's two op, there's like two units that do the same role every time, right? Mobbies and and cav, etc. Fleabag sniffs serve a similar function less well than a wing it with bombs away. It's fast, mobile shooting platform. Sniffs are squishier on a bigger base with more restrictions that don't fly don't ignore concealed and don't have vicious and don't shoot on like it and their defense three versus four. So for me, as long as the wing it with bombs away exists in its current state for a similar point value, the sniffs, like why would you take sniffs if you could have a wing it? Now, if you've got a really cool all cab army like Ron Reese and you're taking the Mongol horde, then absolutely do it. Just know you're leaving the wing it's behind. That's my take on sniffs. The wing it exists, so the sniffs don't. The sniffs don't even make my all flea bag list. I just take regular flea bag. Take your three whizzes. We'll get to those later instead of a flea bag regiment. So I, 
I, I, they're in a tough spot. I agree. I don't know why you would take them over normal flea bag riders. Cause if you need to sit down a flyer, you're going to take flea bag riders. You're not going to take or normal ones, right? Cav, you're not going to take the sniffs. Well, let's talk about the flea bag riders, which are speed 10 Malay four, defense four. this time troop regiment. And you can take a horde of these guys. One, three, four unit strength, seven, 14 and 28 attacks, 10, 12, 13, 15, 20, 22 nerve and a hundred. 155 or 265. Uh, they're nimble, vicious Malay, just like the Sniffs, but they also have Thunder Charge 1. And they can take Maw Pups for 10 points. Unlike the Maw Beast, these guys are speed 10, nimble, which is a big deal, right? You go up on the flank, pivot, and, you know, yeah, you know, 7 attacks from the troop or 14 from the, the, the regiment. Not a lot of attacks. But if you give them a flank, have you guys played these? Depends on my list, but not my... My main list, I don't, but my flea bag list, I do. Outside of the formation, how are you guys using these? So the standard flea bag list that I have is like the Mongol Horde. I'll have two hordes with some items on them, but then I have a ton of regiments running around with some troops in front of them. And then I'll have mop-up launchers in the back to load them repeatedly. Um, and it's just, they, you know, it's like 18 drops at 2,300 points, and it just runs around and runs circles and... It's it's entertaining to watch people, you know, panicking about a defense four, <laughs> pretty squishy unit, running around like you know, acting like, you know, heavy cavalry on other armies <laughs> that they don't do because they hit on fours and they're only thunder one. But it's 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 a a real fun list that uh, a lot of times you win because you're just running around all over the place and never getting caught, and then you finish the objectives at the end to win the game, but. You want to simulate the the charge of the Rohirrim at the Battle of Helm's Deep. This is these are the units to use, and and have done that. And you just cover the entire board. And all I would do is I'd just send one out. I wouldn't charge. You just send one out in front. You put it in between two big units. It locks his whole army down. It takes them a turn to kill him. You send another one in, and another. You don't kill anything. You you will not kill anything in the, in the other person's army. It's an auto win on some scenarios. That's the all in approach. The conservative approach is you can look at like uh, through all of second. And early third, I would take one or two troops. And if you deployed central or you did like a deferred flank, that's a way that turn one or turn two, you can punish your opponent's caution. They can be in the flank looking at them. And then goblins, especially before Grony, really struggled with hunting war machines. So I used to run Monster Mash. You didn't have any way to hunt a war machine. Well, a troop of these on turn two is charging war machines. You kill one cannon. And now you're in the rear of the enemy army with a 20-inch charge, and you're usually about four inches off the board edge at that point, four or five. So you're projecting all the way to the middle of the table from killing a war machine on two. Turn three, you're projecting all the way to the half edge. Um, You can do a lot of cool stuff with that. If you don't count the formation, um, you really have to decide how it fits into your list, right? A lot of times I'm looking at it as... I've built the army I want. I've got 160 points left or whatever, 150. Does buying one troop give me pressure I don't have? Can I use it to screen? Sometimes, like, you know, if I don't have three wingets, that only lets me win two of the loot tokens if I get first turn. So I need something else to dart out. Maybe a troop of flea bags to dart out, do the move, pivot, grab a token at the top of one is a, is a solution. So I like the troop. Um, if you're just taking it for fluff, a regiment's kind of a weird choice, but that's because the formation exists and having three of them is a lot of points. So for me, it's either take a troop 
or two, have a lot of fun, go all in like Travis or take the formation. And I don't, I don't see anyone taking like one horde with J boots as a, as a thing. What about you, Shannon? No, I do wonder though, the problem is they die to die to any shooting, but troops with uh, the rampage aura and maw pup launchers would be interesting to see that, that coming at you. Uh, these little seven attack guys who now suddenly have 15 attacks or something. So potentially 10 attacks and plus you could be up to 16 attacks. But if you're playing the whole army as plea bag riders, like right. you're going to get an extra 20 attacks during the game. And the, the rampage aura is not a one. So you can take three batteries of flea bags, right? Might suck, but you can. I mean, you can do it. It's fun. I don't know. It, it very likely might suck, but but if you're just you know if you're just going to have fun at an event, probably run into one or two people who would be, what is this? You know what's going on? So that's you want to teach somebody how to play against like protect their flanks? Bring a bunch of flea bag. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. Well, there's your three extremes. You have Travis on the far side of just take only flea bags. You got me as like dabble for cuteness, and then you have Shannon who's like, why wouldn't you just take chariot? <laughs> There's still flea bags. They're just hooked up. Well, let's talk about the formation because that's the one way you typically do see the the, the flea bag riders. Uh, Gorp's explodomatic bang sticks. Uh, it's basically two. It's it's two bang sticks, which are two regiments of flea bags, and it's an additional ten points per. And you also have to take a king on a flea bag, and that's an additional twenty points. Uh, and you know, Gorp g- gains the aura elite Malay cavalry with the goblin keyword, which is good. So now you've got. You know, you're hitting, you know, your regiments are 14 attacks, maybe with Rampage, but 14 attacks and hitting on fours with Elite is not terrible. Uh, and the Banks, you, you know, you increase your, uh, your your Thunderous Charge to two, which also makes them more potent. They have a special rule called Bang Sticks. Whenever this unit rolls a natural unmodified six to hit in Malay, resolve the hit with Blast two. In addition, for each six roll, the attacking unit receives a point of damage as the bang stick backfires on the unlucky goblin wielding it. No nerve tests are taken for damage caused in this way. So you're looking at an additional 40 points, but, you know, it's common. And we should probably just talk about the king, speed 5. Well, in the formation, he's going to be speed 10, but he's melee 4, range 4, defense 4, 5 attacks, 12, 14 nerve, and 70 points. Crushing strength 1, individual inspiring, short bows, 18 inches. And as we said, uh, 70 points on foot. And he can be mounted on a flea bag for an additional 35 points to get uh, up to speed 10. Uh, and there's some other options there. Sheriff's Pendant, which is the headstrong aura for 15 points. Uh, but you can't take that if you take the mount. And then you have upgrade to Grony Snark. Maybe what we'll do is we'll finish talking about the formation and then we'll come back and talk about what do you guys think about the that? The king and the formation are really definitely separate because the formation locks the king into his own. He has to be Gorp, the named king. Yeah, he can't. Nothing else. So For the formation the best way to break it down might just be how we load it out. Cause if I take it, it's almost always the same. And I know Travis is almost always the same. And Shannon, I actually don't know if you've played it, man. I'm just going to keep harping on the fact that you retired for three years. <laughs> Eric was singing its praises at crossroads. So I have to give it a look. It's a sneaky, good formation. Yeah. I love this formation. Like I, I don't use it in my, my one version of my list, but in all the other ones, the, the two regiments and Gorp at least make it in just, that elite aura and the you know thunder two is huge, right? The the normal thing with goblins when they're in combat that you get thunder one, maybe you know you run that defense six, defense five units, and you're not really wounding enough. The formation helps definitely change that. I know Donnie up in Minnesota. That's this is a staple. He takes this all the time to great great use. 
I think the main reason it's not in my current list is because of how the shooting meta is. Uh, they would get singled out just straight away, and it would be almost like throwing away points in my style of a list currently. But any list where I can, I have other targets for shooting to potentially go, like, you know, with Kyle's Giants and Shannon's, you know, Chariots and stuff, these guys would make it. I agree with that. If you're running this as your only, like, what we would call, like, your only threat or your only Death Star, they're dead in an all-comers tournament. They're, you just can't screen them. Um, so what ends up happening is then you're spending 200 points to buy two Fleabag troops to screen them, and all of a sudden you've invested a third of your army in two hammers that kill themselves over the course of the game. So I don't recommend that being your thing, but like in my monster match list right now, I'm running the formation and I always look at three items for speed 10 nimble, especially the formation J boots, helm of the Ram and either meat of madness or brew of haste. Cause once you're speed 10, you're at that standoff, right? You're tied with a dragon. You're tied with dragons. If you're faster, even by an inch, that meat of madness can be, game deciding right you can bully the dragon rider you can bully the dragon um so those are usually the three things i look at and then on the king uh blade of slashy you get a chance to reroll for another six so you can get more sixes um and then in my game just this week travis my aura rampage triggered on a flank oh, and no. i rolled uh i got a three so i rolled 17 twice and I ended up with like 26 hits oh, on Thunderous 3 Vicious. With It has the ability to obliterate. Now, did I devastate myself effectively? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But it felt good. It's but hilarious. no, that, that's hilarious. the item. You're, you're looking at Thunderous 3 and, and Strider are probably my go-to. And then if I'm in a really fast meta or I'm chat for points, I'll just throw me to Madness on one. But taking Helm of the Ram is like disgusting on these guys. Yeah, Helm, Helm's definitely an auto-take. It's a sexy formation, and that built-in Vicious really helps with Helm of the Ram. That Thunderous 3, you're basically wounding on all your hits. Well, awesome. Let's keep rolling. What do you think? We might find some changes eventually, Rob. Shannon, you want to take us to Chariots? My favorite unit. So the Fleabag Chariots, uh, they are changing them this year. They're taking away the shooting by default and giving it to you as an option so that's lowering the cost so they're taking the points down to 110 140 175 and 205 for the troop regiment horde and legion and then they're also giving them brutal this year on top of the other changes and then you can add back in the shooting same shooting attacks they had before which brings them back to the same cost they had before so an extra what five points for the troop in the regiment, 10 points for the horde and 15 points for the legion to bring them back to their 2023 cost. So it's an interesting change. I know you guys would probably take them without the shooting. I'm not sure if I would or not. I do kind of like to have the plink to be able to put a wound or two here and there on half. Also maybe put a wound or two on a unit before you charge it, you know, two or three wounds. It's like having cloak of death or something going off on them, right? Gives you a little bit of a boost. The Brutal change is interesting because the last couple of events I was taking Giants to bring Brutal. Now you've got the option, you know, you're, you're getting that free nerve nerve point without needing the Giants. Uh, the one thing I could see about taking them without the shooting in my list is it would save me 30 points. So now you've got the option for the J-Boots. You could put Haste on one and get up to speed 10, Madness on one for, you know, to outrange any other cavalry unit. Um, you still wouldn't outrange 
flyers, but you'd outrange any cavalry. So uh, it, it would make them interesting without the shooting. And, and granted, they don't typically do very much damage shooting. I just kind of like to have the option for myself. Uh, I don't know what you guys think. Travis, I know you were talking about them already. Yeah, I know if I bring them back, obviously they'll stay in legions. But like, I think that change of dropping shooting would let me put helm on one. It would let me put, you know, J boots on one. Like it, it would get those items that they're they're missing currently that you almost end up putting on anyways if you want them to, you know, produce for you. You know, you could put brutal. I mean, that brutal. So like to me, that's that extra plank damage. And then like, if you're running with the slashers, you get that extra rampage off. I mean. There's a, there's a lot of synergy now. I think the flea bay chariots have potential for that they didn't really have before, right? Like the slashers knew with its aura possibility. Now they have brutal on them. You know the ability to drop the short bows. So I I think we're gonna see them definitely more often. I know Shannon never ran away from them, so he doesn't have a problem. One thing we're looking at, right? Those are. I mean, they're still unlocking. The main reason we weren't taking them before is that uh, unlocking or not, they sucked. So now they unlock, I mean, if we're looking at a rabble horde being 125 as an unlock tax, I'm paying what 95 points to I look at it as a rabble horde upgrade. Would I pay 95 points to upgrade a rabble horde into this? If I'm looking at the legion with a short bow, if I take the short bows off of a legion. I mean, would you look me in the face, Travis, and tell me that you wouldn't pay 80 points to make a rabble horde a chariot legion? That's what I'm saying. If I had that points, 80 points left over, I would I would upgrade it to a, a flea bag legion and just not have shooting. That's how I looked at it, is I just went, they made it like a a linear upgrade for me now, just like we talked about with going to a Magua, the Mogwans regiment, right? Now it's like I have the points, I've got the space. And if we look at the formation we talked about and chariots, I don't have a left and a right flank. If you're going to run chariot legions, right, the formation can keep the really important stuff like the J boots because of how effective they are. And I mean, help a formation on the right, two chariots on the left and the chariots run them naked or run them, give one nimble just to go 18 inches and pivot. And now you've got both flanks pressured. You throw a king on chariot in the middle and you've got a hell of a pincer and you still probably have 1200 points of garbage left. <laughs> and then Nimble's a good call too, Kyle, because definitely if I would have had the points for the last couple of events, I would have had Nimble on one of my Chariot Legions. It's just, yeah, like you say, running them up and turning them in is fantastic. And you're right, the Brutal call-out makes a massive difference because they no longer have to be supported. It used to be you had to run Chariots and a Giant, or you had to run Chariots with a Brutal item, and the Mincers got left behind. So now they can almost be a standalone you know, two chariot legions and a king on chariot is a standalone flank now. Yep. Give them mop up cages and it'll be perfect. Yeah. Don't do that. No one need. no one's asking for that. More, more possibilities. See, I don't want to pay the points. Swiss army knife, knife, the chariots. There you go. Good thing. You don't have to pay the points. Yeah. It's an option. The other thing that uh, we didn't touch on is legion is unit strength four. And that does come into play as, as Adam brought up in our crossroads report when I had, forgotten about it and that won me a game at crossroads and it also won me a game against eric when we were warming up where he had a horde of infantry opposing them and and the unit strength four put me over the top in in our game i had to remember that when we played also i forgot that until right now in michigan i was like oh you know 
I was excited that I remember they had Vicious because the first time I played them after they made that change when I hadn't played in a year, I forgot about them having Vicious for most of the tournament. So now you're going to forget they have Brutal. Probably. Well, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Look at Rob's face. He's trying to corral us. Nah, it's all right. Your cats. On that note about Brutal, Kyle, take us into the Mincer Mob. Is it because I always run the exact same unit every single time? I mean, if you weren't predictable, you'd be nothing. I'd be tall. Mincer Mob, the chariot units that every other army wishes they had. Speed 5, Defense 4, Melee 4, none of that matters because they have Big Shield, Brutal, Crushing 1, Thunderous 1. The troops are the better uh, luggets at Unit Strength 1, D6 plus 14 attacks, Dash 14 nerve, and only 160 points. And remember, those troops are perfect squares, 100 by 100 mil. And then the regiment, unit strength 2, D6 plus 21 attacks, which always gets everyone's jaws to drop when they're not used to melee goblins. Uh, You're only fearless 16, but again, with big shield, only fearless 16 usually lives for the whole game. Uh, 200 points even at a regiment means they are the discount version of all the items. So nobody gets more pissed off than when for 230 points you have... 21 plus D6 attacks on threes. Crush one, thunderous one, brutal big shield, slamming down your throat with the sharpness item. And they're really good candidates for elite if you want to take more. Like elite and vicious are great too. You can just field a whole army of them. Models are great. Mantic's got cool models. GW's got cool models. Ironheart Artisan has cool models. I've seen Snotling Pump Wagons. This is the quintessential go-go gadget BS, the unit. And I've probably taken them since they existed in almost every version of a list. We call it the lawnmower. Rob's familiar with what it does. Yeah, and I love them too. Like playing them, they're they're great. I mean, the big shield. They're a blast. The the speed five, you, you have to learn to play with it. But it really, if you're keeping your whole battle line together, well, then they all do speed five together. So it's, you know, not the end of the world. But, you know, get these guys on a hill, have them charge off the hill, crushing one, thunder two. <laughs> they have a ton of attacks. They're one of the only goblin units that can grind in the whole list. You got baby mincers, mincer troops, and mincer regiments. Those are sort of, if you say, I want to grind, that's the answer. And this is the one unit that can take on a tear. Yeah, it is. Or a pike horde or anything else. Or a pike horde, exactly. Just send them in there. You know, You're not and, killing and, it. Yeah, and you mentioned 160 points versus 105 of a luggage troop. For that 55 points, you are getting a crap ton of value Obviously, the defense yeah. six. It's a, you're losing a little bit of the the range for the, you know the charge distance, but you're getting yeah. like instead of fifteen attacks, you're getting fourteen plus D six. So yeah. and, and you're getting three extra pips on the nerves. That luggage regiments that one for one right one sixty one sixty for the luggage regiment at twenty attacks, but not fearless versus this, but fearless big shield or they're fearless, but they're not big shield is what I should say. Um, so that's sort of that. I like luggage troops. Mincer Troop over Luggett Regiment. Absolutely. When you buy this kit, you have to decide if I'm building a Mincer or I'm building a Chariot. And uh, so far, you buy, yeah, I'm building all the Mincers, right? I mean, it's hard. It's hard. To, it's hard. To, big Shield is just so good, you know, especially with the Fearless unit. It's just, it's fantastic. How many times have Travis or Shannon, I know I've had it, how many times you charge them that unit, they do no wounds back, and you're like, Thunderous again, baby, and you just dig that knife deeper into their shame as they're like, surely my iron guard will do a single wound to you. And it doesn't. 
think I've had more times though where me rolling fours and just failing. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you do no wounds with a, <laughs> a regiment because you're a disappointment just, to your ancestors. Yep. I think I do more damage with the rabble horse hitting on fives than I do a mincer mob regiment hitting on fours. Never underestimate how willing I am to get eight wounds needing sixes to hit with a rabble regiment. All right, I'll do it. But no, the, the mincers, all three flavors of mincer, right? You've got the mincer monster, the troop and the regiment. All three of them serve. If you want to play that speed five melee army, I don't think there's a better unit in the list. The blasters kill themselves. They don't grind. They don't have the kind of sticking nerve. Like in a goblin army, dash 16 thick. Dash 16, defense six versus 19, 21, defense four. The mincer lives. That's what I'm trying to say. You ain't healing it. The other thing that a lot of people have tested, I know I tested it, is every now and again, you just get really bored and you decide to take a wizard with bark skin. And weakness. I've done a lot of weakness trolling. Instead of bane chaining the mincers for more kill power, you weakness the enemy and give yourself effectively defense seven and just laugh at their orc not wounding you. You can do some really cool stuff. Uh, Barkskin, because you're only defense four, you get all the perks of D6, but you trigger Barkskin on D4. So there's cool stuff, but really one regiment with sharpness is sort of my signature uh, lawnmower unit. So question, if you're Barkskin and they only do one un- one wound and it take it, Barkskin absorbs it, Yep, you don't lose that thunderous because you didn't take any. You didn't take any wounds. That's pretty sneaky. It's a similar interaction to how Cloak of Death breaks Gnome Glass Shield. Cloak of Death does a wound, so Gnome Glass Shield breaks. Well, let's get into the 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 collection of units that everybody loves to hate. Yeah, and we'll start with uh, the Sharp Six Thrower, which is one that uh, this past book from the, the book from last year did make them come down a little bit in price, I believe, like most bolt throwers, uh, but. You know, speed five, the, the range four plus, defense four plus. They have two attacks, nine, 11 nerve, 60 points. Uh, and they are 48 inch range, blast D3, piercing two with reload. You know, guys, I mean, we don't see them because there's better things in the list. But if you had this in other armies, you'd you'd see more of them. I mean, they're, they're not bad. I don't know. What are you guys thoughts? They take all the cover penalties, I guess. I take three of them nowadays. They're cheap, 60 points with. You know, six attacks hitting on fours, you get three hits, blast D3s, pierce twos against defense five. I mean, four and a half wounds a turn. So this will knock out greater air elementals. I mean, they put they put damage out consistently. So, and they're, like I said, they're cheap, long range. So you just set them back there, just give them a field of fire and let them fire. And they have the lobber special rule too, right? Yeah, they get the elite. So from the bombs away. Goblins have access to three lobbers. You've got the big rocks, you've got the mop pups, and you've got this. So if, if you're playing the lobber list or you want to play that shooting line anyways, it's the same price to take three bolt throwers as is to take two rock lobbers. Right. There's a drop economy there. Sometimes this comes down to your unlocks, right? If you've got the points in the unlocks, you're clearly going to take a rock thrower. But for the cost of one of these, that's a whole nother hero, war trombone. They hit on fours versus the rock lobbers hitting on fives. That's you shooting goblins. That's the problem with you guys. Just take more bodies. More consistency to me is that's that's what you need, especially with the long range shooting. You need to put that damage out there early and rock lobbers. I mean, yeah, you hit, you hit hard, but when you're not hitting, that's 20 extra points. You can't do it right away, but by mid game, if you have flyers, right, you can stick a flyer in front of their rock lobbers. You're within 12 inches. They can't shoot you and you block the whole field of vision. If you got, you know, I did it before Phoenixes were as good as they are, but I, you know, I, pulled that against Jeff O'Neill once and shut off his line of sight for three rock lobbers. So 
uh, you know, then it was wasted points for a couple of turns. Bolt throwers don't care. No, I, I like the bolt throwers. I just uh, have a vengeance or a vendetta rather against backline shooting and goblins because you have you can just get a hero for the same price. Who wants to take us to the war trombone? Yeah, the war trombone is the single greatest unit in Kings of War. It's a machine that burps on the enemy. It's speed five, ranged four up, defense four. None of that matters. What matters is it has 10 attacks at 12 inches, piercing one steady aim. Just ignore the nerve, which is 810. If you don't look at it, it doesn't matter. Um, they used to be 65 points, which I would agree is too cheap. Now they're 70 points, which I would agree is less cheap than 65. I think it's probably pushing them closer to the right spot. You're no longer able to bring like a trio of those for sub 200 points now. Um, but three of those and a bang it with inspiring has been my battery since third edition dropped. It's just a little shattering death core of 15 hits at piercing one every single turn like clockwork. And uh, you can't land a flyer there or it's dead. One of the things that makes the kill box work, you, you get a, you, you Venus fly trap them in and then this is what eviscerates you. There's a couple of kill box styles, right? But this is that mid range kill box. This, this core takes you out. This is like the main one. I think that that little block can take out one unit a lot of times, mostly on its own. Yeah. A turn. You guys have nothing else to say about this. This is the bane of everybody's existence. I'm looking at Travis and he's just smiling. He's not trying to help anybody beat him on the table. Look at him. If you're doing your averages against defense five and not over cover, right? Their, their biggest drawback is they're only high two. I mean, you have to either put them out in the open to shoot and be charged or you're shooting through cover. So like me with the point tax, it just makes me want to cry because you're only on average doing two and a half wounds. So you take three of them, that's seven and a half wounds of shooting for 65 points times three, right? So now you're an extra 15 on top of that. Plus you have to take a bang it to make the shatter. Like you're still utilizing four or five units to kill one, right? And everyone complains about that because they're cheap. Well, all the goblins are cheap if you build it that way. I felt they were in a sweet spot anyways, just because of the fact they can't really see, you know, most of the time. Like, um, I know Donnie, he likes to put his on the edge and right out in front. And a lot of times that they only get one round of shooting because then they get charged. They are very susceptible to 18 inch range shooting because you can move five and shoot 12. That's a 17 inch range. One lightning bolt shot has the average to shut them down for a whole turn. You do one wound to them. You need a seven to waver. There's no removal mitigation. so you know, of your, of your stuff. Like they, they are really glass cannon-y when it comes to how you play them and they're not nimble. So like the rat one's nimble, which is super great, you know, for mobile shooting and it's one speed faster. The dwarf's defense five shattering. So there's, there's arguments there. So to me, I didn't think they were in a bad spot. I think everyone just was mad that you saw so many and you, the problem with goblins is you can't avoid the kill box if you want to win the game. Because most of the scenarios, that kill box is going right to where you're winning that scenario. What I what I do think will happen with this change is if you're running a list that wants a mid-range kill box, you're going to take it anyways. But the pressure to take it with the nerf to the bang it and the point nerf here is going to open up alternative kill boxes. Or just say, hey, I've still got three war, uh, war Machine slots. I'll just take three Sharp Stick Throwers. Because why would I not? If I have the unlock slots and nothing else to put in my list, I'll just take three of them and go for it. But I, I do think this is a clean nerf. I don't really know if it's even a nerf. I think it's just a, a balance adjustment. 
but it gets rid of the I feel compelled to auto include it for like a mid range combat unit now. Like it, it's a decision to take it instead of just there it is. Here's 240 points. I took them different than you, Travis's. I usually expected the rabble horde in front of them to die. I don't think I defended it as much as you typically do. I, that's how I normally did it. I only had one in front. I think you set up a little more defensively a lot of times. Like I just shoved it forward until it died, and then I just tried to blow up whatever was in front. So I'd get, you know, 10 or 11 wounds or something, right? Because I'd take the clear shots. But then, same issue that you were talking about, you might lose them on the return. If you couldn't kill whatever was in front of you, you're going to lose them the next turn. Yeah, I definitely played mine defensively. I would, you know, I just walked up that five inches. Adam and I's game is a great one. I actually backed up this last last go around against Adam so I could get, yeah, cover shots, but I would get an extra two rounds of shooting out of it. You know, there's different ways to play them. I just, I always used to take them. I'd take all the cover shots I could just to maximize the amount of shots. And then whenever a clear shot's open, you finish off stuff. So, yeah, it's just different ways. I know, like I said, Donnie likes to put them out in the open. And if he's playing against lightning bolt or shooting, you generally see those get taken out before they can get anything. But he runs 23, 24 drops. He says, if you're shooting that, you're not shooting my unit strength. You know, there's there's arguments on how to play them. So do you shooting those? You're going to shoot whizzes or other things that have longer range. And then, you know, they're still creeping forward. If you're not shooting them, turn one and turn two. Well, let's talk about the big rocks thrower. Speed 5, range 5+, plus, defense 4, 2 attacks, 9-11 nerve, 90 points, and they have a 40-inch range, blast, D3 plus 1, ignores obscured, indirect, piercing 3, and reload. So guys, back in the day, these were all the rage, and there was a huge discussion on the Dwarf Army Review that 5-plus shooting sucks, and a War Engine is even worse. I mean, are, are you are you guys in agreement with that assessment, or is there a place for this in the list when you have so much four plus shooting and you got bang it's and you got wing it's and you've got all? I mean, do you guys have a place for these things? Ninety points, no. Both throwers being sixty points, you're saving ninety points in three of them. You're getting one extra hit for the blast. Yeah, you're ignoring obscured, which is nice. But now that you get cover, anyways, you know if people are using cover right, it doesn't matter. They're indirect, so like Shannon was saying earlier, something gets inside it, you can't shoot, which goblins don't generally move a whole ton if you're doing a shooting list, and you get one extra piercing. Otherwise, it's the same as the bolt throwers. Two attacks, you know, but it hits on fives versus fours. So to me, I'd rather take the, the point saved and hit on fours and one less piercing. I mean, it's 30 points. And it's, yeah. It's it's 30 points. So like as Kyle said, there's two of these is three of those, right? And that's a big a big change. There is a place for it in the the game, right? So if you're playing that like mass shooting goblin list, you have none of the toys that me and Travis and Shannon tend to bring to break high defense. You don't have mincers, you don't have flea bags, you don't have the cab formation. You've got unlock efficiency and you're bringing either six or even nine artillery pieces and wing it's and you're just trying to max it out so it's really common like the we we talk about the jeff list for those who don't know jeff usually it's six hordes of rabble bringing six shooting heroes three wizards three bangets six pieces of artillery and then six incredibly cheap monsters like the he brings the blasters and he doesn't actually fill the other slots because he's out of points but you you don't have a way to break the greater earth elemental or the obsidian golem horde. Uh, you know, the joke is no one ever starts their turn out with, I think I'll just kill the obsidian golem horde and I'll be fine. Um, if you don't bring 
some like nutcracker type unit like the rock throwers in that style of list, you simply can't break it. Like you're throwing 30, 40 dice uh, at it and it bounces. Uh, Jeff O'Neill spent two turns trying to kill a single mincer. That's a dash 11 big shield unit uninspired. It made it all the way to his catapults, just walking 10 inches up the field. And eventually he had to send a hero back to fight it because I was killing his catapults with a mincer because in that game, his rock lobbers were shooting other targets and the bolt throwers, the mop-up launchers, they couldn't break through it. Um, that said, very few people can play a Jeff O'Neill style list as well as Jeff because he's got thousands of reps and you have to commit to understanding that nothing you do will kill anything and you have to play the mission the whole way through. I haven't taken a rock lobber since like a meme list in second edition. And to be honest, I don't even know where they are. I've got all my goblins in the move and I don't even know where the rock lobbers are. They're probably buried in a packet labeled like elf trash or something. It's tough now with sharp six throwers being so cheap. I know you're losing, you know, an extra potential point of damage. You're not taking cover uh, if it's, if it's obscured to have to make the mental gymnastics to where the, the, the catapult makes sense over the sharp stick. The sharp stick is so better in so many other different ways. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm a night stalker and I'm in cover. Cool, I hit on sixes. This guy is getting one attack on sixes in that in in that if it's concealed and it's a night stalker. Yeah. When you've got the mop up launcher hitting on fours and it reloads, right? So it never stops working, and it's in the middle point wise. I get though, if you know you're going to play obsidian golems, bring the rocks. These wouldn't be a bad choice because you can see them because they're height four. This thing ignores obscured. You're going to hit on fives and it wounds on threes. I get it. But even with all that, it takes a lot of these to kill an Obsidian Golem Horde because, you know, dash to 17, right? So it's not easy. Defense, I mean, defense six is a problem for this army, and you have some other tools in the list that can do that. You mentioned the Mincers is one of them. And they're a point-for-point swap for a Catapult, by the way. If you can take a Catapult and your Unlock Economy is not super clean, which a lot of Goblin players get really good at Unlock Economy, but a Catapult and a Mincer are point-for-point the same. And one of those is a better answer to defense six. Well, and you get unit strength and it's mobile. And you can sculpt it out of a dinosaur. And you can sculpt out of whatever you want. Let's get into the monsters and let's go ahead and start with the the single mincer. You want to take us through that, Kyle? Baby mincer. I've already pretty much talked about it, sung its praises. Um, for those who aren't aware, it's a five-star unit, A plus Google, Google recommends. Um, it's a chariot, so none of the other army's special rules matter to it. Uh, speed five, melee four, defense four, unit strength one, D6 plus six attacks. So for a long time, it actually hit as hard as a giant for a third of the points um, back before they got two extra attacks. It is dash 11, which makes them the wraith troop of the goblin world. For only 90 points, you get a height three skinny chariot, which makes it way more maneuverable because you're pivot. Big shield, brutal, crush one, thunder one, just like its big parent version. Um, for 90 points, I can't think of another unit in the game that is more annoying at fitting into flanks, breaking units, and completely stopping hordes of like light infantry in its tracks and just chewing stuff up. The Harvester is cool, but it costs more. The Mincer, on average, I have three in my list. Three baby Mincers. They fit everywhere. I, if I can fit a Mincer, I take single Mincers all day long. They're sexy. Yeah, I would too. 
I mean, between them and, and Lord on chariots, like one of the best ways to look at a chariot is it's so small, not many things in the game can fit. So you can put a horde to the left or a, we'll call it unit to the left, unit to the right. Leave yourself just a, a couple mil to the left and right for pivoting, but you can offset by just a nudge and you've effectively become an unchargeable target that has line of sight because it's taller to the flanks of whatever comes in. So Rob, you talked way in the beginning about forcing the double charge instead of the single charge. There is a logic argument to be made for going to sharp sticks, putting mincers between the packets and saying, I now have counter flanks when you bounce. So you're forcing the double charge, like saying you can't physically afford to bounce, right? That's that melee kill box versus the shooting kill box. And the mincer is like the quintessential core of it because no one wants to take pot shots at defense six that's fearless. And it's a lot harder to see than a giant. And that chariot base, once you get good at how to pilot a chariot base, um, it's annoying. Keith Randall beat me up with a elf chariot king, and I had to get good at mensers as a response. Well, and smart charges helps too. Smart charges didn't exist when I had to get good. Now it's woo, it, now it is a lot easier to get a flank uh-huh. and stuff because you're yeah, gonna yeah. accommodate, right? I know. I mean, Shannon used to run the kings on chariots all the time, and like they fit, man. That's why I would run mensers all the time was because of playing Shannon, like and watching Shannon play his chariot character. Because it does. It fit, they fit everywhere. I used to always run a couple of these, too. Uh, I just haven't more recently because I was using the Giants and, and Troll Bruisers. So I didn't have points for them. But if I was if, if you were going quite a bit of melee or a slower list, yeah. Like these guys, they're fantastic at 90 points. Let's go into the Goblin Blaster. I don't think... Are you guys using the Goblin Blaster? I know Jeff O'Neill has used them in the past. Yeah, I use them. Of the monster mash, they're my least favorite monster, right? You've got slashers, giants, mincers, but God, they're so stupid cheap. I mean, it's 65 points. And the thing that most players forget is they shoot. Like if you're going to play the second core, use them as a backup line. You don't have to suicide them. You just shoot with them. Um, They're still fearless defense five. Like for goblins, they're thick. They're hard to kill. Um, they score, right? I'll pay 65 points, hide one behind a house in the corner. That's a unit strength for control that I spent less money than a rabble regiment on. And if you're going to come charging anyways, and I'm going to die, I'd rather take you with me using a blaster. So they, they serve a similar role in some missions to a rabble regiment, except they're a threat. Um, three of them in a line do a lot of shooting pressure, similar to the war trombones. And then when you blow up the rabble horde in the front, they go, Oh, cool. We can charge. And sometimes I'll just take one to try and fish for that individual overrun. Cause they don't die till the end of the phase. So you can just chain blow stuff up. And a lot of times I'll take that one for flank pressure turns four and five. I'm just now starting to get in position to threaten. And you're waiting on that huge turn six dice roll where you let yourself down and do no wounds with a rear charge. But um, if you want the drop economy, like if you look at Donnie or you look at some of my lists where we're pushing 26, 27 drops, you can't get that economy without a blaster. The mincers, the blasters, you don't have the money for a slasher or chariot legions. So if you want to do just dumb amounts of drops, the blasters also give you the answer for defense six, get it in the flank on average. It does crack. Right, six attacks on threes, blast six, crushing three, brutal. 
Um, the trade-off is it's going to die. But for 65 points, a lot of times you can trade up 100 or even 200 more points for that unit. And it serves a similar role to Mincer in that regard. Put it between your things. It's a kill box. Find the flank, blow it up, um, or play in a shooting meta, and then it just dies. Well, and they don't blow up and kill your own stuff anymore like they used to. But you no longer lose all your heroes to a, a double sixes fireball. But you never did because you didn't take a nerve check. That's right, Shannon. Way to be positive about the negatives. Chris Kapsner will always have the Mincer that blew up for 75 points of damage or whatever in the middle of like eight units. <laughs> I, I did that to Neil Cauley's um, trolls. I threw him up there and just exploded. I made a, I think I made Mike Carter quit Abyssals for two years when the great Goblin Blaster went off and I took out like seven of his eight drops because I rolled max dice with max damage. Um, but no, the Blaster is a cool spot. If you ask me, of the monsters, the Mincer and the Winget are definitely probably the two highest ROI for points. The Blaster, if you're trying to spam or you want to play that Speed 5 melee army, the Blaster has a place. If you want to do mixed arms or general, the Blaster probably doesn't fit unless you just have 65 points left or a cool model. But I, I wouldn't build a list around a Blaster. All right, Travis, take us into the Winget. Speed 10, melee 5, defense 4, unit strength 1, 1 attack, 11, 13 nerve, 120 points. Uh, special rules, you get fly and nimble. Um, you get to pick two op- one of two options. You get the ramming speed, which gives your nerve up to 13, 15 and increases to 5 attacks. Melee 4, uh, you gain thunderous 1 and vicious special rules. Or you take bombs away, you get um, range 4. And Eye in the Sky rule, which gives elite to your um, lobber keyword units. And you have 12-inch shooting, 3 attacks, Blast D3, Ignores Obscured, Pierce 1, Steady Aim, and Vicious for ranged. Yeah, basically, most of the time you'll see this taken as bombs away for the shooting, mobile shooting. Um, I know Kyle tried the ramming one a couple times. And, yep, thumb, there it is, thumbs down. So. He basically told me not to take it, which is kind of what I figured. Um, but yeah, basically take it with shooting if you want it. Most people take at least one or two because they're great for objectives at the end. If you can keep them alive. Flying, nimble, and just, oh, they're so gross. 11, 13 nerve, you got to make sure you protect them and hide them, but at defense four, so. But I feel like I always get my 120 points for him every game, no matter what I'm doing, whether I'm shooting or going to objectives. And so. I thought you guys had more to say about this unit. I mean, it's, it's one of the best objective players we have, right? But we talked about it earlier, Rob, where we've got, why don't you take a flea bag sniff? This serves a similar role. It's fast. It's nimble. It flies. Um, you're literally almost never going to charge because even a rear charge, you're better off just shooting. Um, its biggest weakness is it gets shot because anyone who's played against it kills it, right? The interview with Luke from Masters when he was like, oh yeah, Kyle beat with him once and then never again. It's because the never again part sticks in their soul. It's the distraction carnifex of the Goblin Army. Does somebody want to take us through the Maw Puppet Launcher? Uh, so yeah, the Mop Up Launcher, Speed 5, Range 4, Defense 4, um, 
It's a war machine, so no unit strength. Three attacks, 911 nerve, 75 points. Um, it has a 36 inch range, shooting attack, blast D3, ignores obscured, and indirect and uh, reload. So if you move, you can't shoot it. Uh, but it has a unique alternate profile for when you do move. Um, you For 36 inch range, indirect, you can shoot your own units that have the mop up gauge on a four up. And if you are successful, they they get the mop up uh, special rule for the unit uh, instead of paying the 10 points. Yeah, I used to take these all the time just for the, the dual roll before bolt throwers got cheaper. Um, but the bolt throwers, basically in my list, the mop-up launchers turned into bolt throwers. So I could save, uh, what is that, 45 points technically overall? Mm -hmm. 15 for points wizard. per, yeah. Yeah, it gave me another wizard for a drop, so... Um, they're cool though. The, like, the models are great, it, and they're cool looking. Yeah. You know, really cool looking models. I think it's unique in that you've got a war engine that can actually do like the traditional. I'm going to shoot you from long range, but you have you don't have any viable targets. Well, cool. There's this other thing you can do, like shoot your own units that have an empty mop up cage and load them up for you know. I mean, if you think about it, you're spending 75 points to give a unit six attacks. They hit on force with crushing one, so it's not like maybe the most efficient use of points. But it's, you know, when you compare it to your other lobbers, like, well, if they don't have a target, <laughs> then they can't shoot, right? Because you can't move these things. So, you, you know. It... I used to love looking at it as, oh, look, we're playing 2,300 points. But by the end of the game, I'm playing, you know, 2,350 from loading with these right. things. You know, because 10, 10 points, points Absolutely. Right? Like, you know, that was how I used to always love looking at it. It's like, hey, I got to play with more points than you technically by the end of the game. Sorry. I, I still see them, obviously, from time to time. Like, I'll use them in my flea bag list just to load all the time. But That's what I would think, right? Because you can give them, like, those extra six attacks for flea bags are really important, I would think. And the clear chaff, you know, low defense chaff is what I used to. I used to use them for, no matter what. First two turns, I'd, re you know, remove chaff. And... Yeah, no piercing, but you still got the blast. Killing fiend hordes that were out in the open. No, No big deal with them. Well, let's get into the Titans. Let's start with the Giant. The big change that all Titans have now are unit strength 2. So he's still speed 7. He's melee 4. He's defense 5. He's still D6 plus 8. Attacks 18, 20, nerve at 225, and height 6. Uh, he's brutal, crushing strength 4, fury, and strider. And he has the option to either have the club that gives a rampage D6 in melee or the cleaver that gives you slayer D6 melee. I I'm assuming, you know, for me, crushing 4, I'm always taking Slayer. Like that's that typically the defense six that I'm trying to pop are going to be things that are going to be activated on Slayer. But I don't know. I mean, your mileage may vary. If you have a couple, maybe it makes sense to have one with Rampage. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on Slayer versus Rampage for the Giant? Slayer. I would I would normally take Slayer, but when I took three of them to Crossroads, I took two Slayer and one Rampage because Iron Guard exists and it's <laughs> helpful against that. So uh I think there's a few spots for it, you know, the extra attacks in case you run into melee units. But typically I figured like goblins are going to have less trouble with infantry than they do with large infantry and um, large calf or monsters. So, yeah, there's less defense, six infantry, you know, Salamander's Iron Guard or Salamander Ancients Iron Guard, um, but there's not as many. So most things that are defense six that would make use of your crushing strength four are going to be, We'll, we'll be triggered by the Slayer variety. Unit Strength 2 helps them because 
when the slasher came out, it got really hard to justify a giant. If you're going to take them, I really like running them in tandem because a pair of them makes up for the fact that live by the four or die by the four, right? Like you need volume to survive on fours. Two giants will pretty realistically break whatever's in front of them and put a real dent in a non-slayer target. One giant, sometimes it doesn't do anything to a regiment of sisters for like four turns. Because the beauty of crushing four is it's useless against defense too, right? The lower their defense, the better value they're getting. So Eric used to say my favorite thing for giants to charge is rat slaves, and he'd just shove rat slaves in front of it. But um, I like a pair of them. They can hold a flank down, or they can serve a similar role to the uh, chariot and fleabag regiment analogy if you want to do more monster heavy. They can each run an angle, pivot with good amount of speed, and really start to force the pressure down. So it, it depends on what you're after, but I think two is a great number. Let's go into the goblin slasher. Uh, speed seven, melee three, range five plus, defense five plus, unit strength two, attacks 10, 16, 18 nerve, and 210 points. Crushing strength two in strider, and it has a sharp stick thrower on its back that's 36 inch range, two attacks with blast, D3, piercing two, steady aim. Uh, and you have some options. You can, uh, for 15 points, you can give it the aura, rampage, melee D3, beast only, um, or you can exchange the unit sharp stick thrower range weapon and equip the crew basically a trombone on its back right 12 inch range hitting on fours with piercing one steady aim for 10 points i'm assuming if you're taking one of these you're always giving it the trombone nope if they're that close you want them in melee the place where i would see with the trombone is if you break a unit and then depending on what the situation is you might not be able to face or you might be pinched out from being able to charge the next turn well then you can if you need to pivot 90 degrees or something you know you in a weird situation then at least you've got something you can do um that turn that's better than just shooting with the ballista but i think the more important upgrade is the aura i'm not sure i there was one guy at Crossroads running them, I think, just with trombones and keeping them with his war trombones. But to me, if you're taking this unit, you're taking it with the aura around some chariots or some flea bags, something that's going to get use from that uh, rampage. Yeah, Malay D- D3 is pretty good Yeah, uh, for beasts. Uh-oh. There's a lot of good units in this list that have the beast keyword. I tried yeah. three slashers with trombones and a bang it with the war trombones and a bang it, like making two kill boxes. Um, I've done three slashers behind a rabble horde walking up. So they ignore cover and you always leave an inch for a withdrawal. So the rabble horde can back up the slashers can shoot. And then whatever finally breaks the rabble, they then charge. Um, each time the war trombone, you're paying a lot of points to suffer the same issue that the cheap war trombones have, which is turns one and two. It's basically useless. And then turns four, five, and six, you're at risk. So the risk for the slashers is they're in melee. So you'd pay to points to, I found a lot of times I paid the upgrade cost to use it once. Whereas if I never upgraded it for free, I'd be shooting on turn one, turn two. And then sometimes you win your battle and you don't have anything to do turn five, but hold that objective. So by keeping the bolt thrower every turn, I was either doing a melee fight or shooting I mean, not including like having to double time or something to to score, but for less points, I was using the model more often every time I tested it. So for me, the the slashers were invaluable, unupgraded. And then the rampage aura applies to them, your cav, 
your chariots. It applies to Magwa and Jews. And actually, that became a staple in my list. Like, half of your hammers are triggered by Rampage, so it's just a great buff. But even if you just want to run three of them as a pseudo-giant core, give one Rampage, you get six baby bolt thrower shots for the first two turns of the game. You do a whole bunch of melee damage by goblin standards for the middle of the game. And then turns five or six, if you have to, you can plink shot at that wounded objective holder in the back. But no, I, I don't like the War Trombone upgrade. I think it's a trap. And it took me a lot of games to prove to my mental head that it was a trap. And at height six, you're not taking cover penalties, which is always a bonus as well. Yeah, just shoot. I look at it a little different with that, though. Right, you're paying ten points over the course of six turns to use it once or twice, maybe, but you're already only using seventy points for the foot one to use it maybe three or four times, two of them in cover. Like, so like I, I look at it a little differently. That you know, I get that nineteen inch threat range now, so now I'm outranging those eighteen inch shooters. So scorch wings, you have to come in now. Um, you can't just stay back and shoot my rebel in the front. Um. So I, I found I had I had was getting use out of it a couple times I've been playing it. Um, you know, you you soften some targets up and then the slasher can take it on by itself. Um, you know, just different thought process on it. And then obviously I run Mago with it, so the rampage, but I was finding I wasn't getting much out for the rampage for the 15 points that I could throw on something else. So I don't know. Yeah, I've I've settled it's into still... running two. One actually with the formation, and then one over by itself without the Rampage Aura. But one with Rampage, I've now started moving with the formation as an anchor. And a lot of times yeah. the formation outruns itself, and enemy flyers get behind. So he acts as a really good bodyguard. Um, but there you go. That might be the first Goblin thing me and you've disagreed on in like three years. I don't know if it's disagreeing, <laughs> right? Like I Difference just... of opinion. And I think it's I I like the war trombones for the reason of how it you know I get ten attacks I hit on fours right instead of two attacks hitting on fives, right? Yep. That's that's how I look at it. Um, when I do get to use it once or twice, I get you know those wounds guaranteed. Like I'm still using a rabble in front, or you know, I'm it, to me I'm using it more as to position than to anvil in front and fight, right? Um. I'm using it for its unit strength of two, you know, to hold an area, especially if I'm losing a horde that I know I'm losing, um, which is, you know, unit strength three. So I just, I think I just use it a little differently. Um, and I don't know, Shannon, when I was playing you, I definitely used it behind my stuff to shoot your chariots, you know, for free. And he was a second wall that then got a flank on your chariots, you know, after he, you know, finished off something. So I don't know. Just depends yeah. on what you're thinking you wanted to use it for. Well, I think the aura, you, a lot of times you just had the slasher and maybe Magua. And I had Magua. Yeah. Were the only couple of units you were getting value out of. I was running, what, five units plus the yeah. slasher that could benefit from it in my list. So I always had like two unit, at least two units plus the slasher getting advantage of it. But then I don't know how many, I mean, your matchups that you had, you obviously got to use it against me. Um, played know, against I, goblins. You got to... I played against goblins three times, I think. And so I got to use it in all of those. <laughs> in, in my five games, there was only two games I got to really use it, right? Yeah. So it was kind of like, is it worth that 15 points if I only get to use it two out of five games? And it, you know, it only benefits from Magua and him. Like, 
Yeah, I could I could see in your list style that the expensive trade off. Right, and it, and in my style of the list, obviously I take it in the flea bag list, or you know, when I switch out to chariots and stuff, off and on, like for sure. I think your list it works great. I think you know Kyle's list it works great. I think just the way my main list works, the rampage might not. You know that fifteen points could be spent. No, I mean everything has to be justified. Fifteen points in a goblin list, especially with the change to the whiz, like fifteen points for a maybe. It's yeah. Like there's so many cheap options that there's no reason to take it unless you absolutely want a reason. So if you're not taking the cab formation or a bunch of chariots, you really have to figure out if it's worth it. But yeah, I I vote no war trombone. Travis votes war trombone. But it's difference in list too, though. I mean, you use him as a mainstay front to fight. and Yeah, difference in list or difference in uh, how you built your model. The model is pretty fantastic. Well, let's take a quick commercial break on the other side. We'll get into the heroes. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Rob, the Goblin King, and you're listening to Counter Charge. Welcome back to Counter Charge. Let's get to the heroes. And let's start with everybody's favorite who just got, a, you could argue, I think, successfully that he got better. Uh, the Wiz. So the Wiz is your uber cheap awesome versatile you know amazing tool box of a, of a character uh he was 45 points uh and he used to come with lightning bolt three uh now you buy lightning bolt three separately so now you he costs 25 points and if you want to add lightning bolt three back to it it's 20 points you know, opens up some options if you, if you weren't taking lightning bolt um, it is important to note too there's two other changes in the Clash of Kings 2024 that will affect some of you guys, some of you filthy goblin players, which is uh, specifically around Alchemist Curse. Alchemist Curse got more expensive, right? 10 points per level, 25, 35, and 45. Uh, and then in addition, the Boots of Levitation, which was Kyle's favorite thing, uh, used to be uh, available to be run on a mounted character, and now it has the infantry and heavy infantry only condition. So the Wiz, sp- uh, Speed 5, Malay 5, Defense 4, 1 Attack, 9-11, Nerve, and now 25 points. He's an individual, and you can buy Lightning Bolt for 20 points, and you can mount him on a flea bag for 10, um, and you can get him Bane Chant 2 for 20, and Hex for 2. Man, with the Twilight Kin in particular, there's Hex is a very important thing, and so you can I don't think we can have enough Hex in the list. Weakness 2 for 15. Kyle brought up a good point. You, even if you, you... You don't have to make your mincers better in combat. You can just make them worse right the, the the opponent worse so they hit a little less so temple wants to know is there any reason for me not to bring three goblin whizzes in every single list it's fine I, mean, I think it depends on what unlocks you're going for right like if you're taking the formation or chariot you know lords on chariot like different i mean that's the thing with goblins is you have so many options that you might not need three wizards now you might not need any might not take any but here's the thing if you have 30 points now or 35 points and put hex on one why not it is now the cheapest. Correct me if I'm wrong, Rob. I haven't seen all the stuff, but it's the cheapest unlock in the game now, right? Or not unlock the the cheapest drop in the game? Yeah, it's 25 points. Well, and then you take a you take a cheap a cheap spell, right? So we could get 35 for hex. That's right. I mean, I spend more than that on magic items to do dumb stuff. That's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> How much is the scrying gem, right? Like, there's there's an argument made to just say I've got points left in an unlock. Um, but at the flip side, I don't see it on the same strength as like the Ratkin triple warlock lightning bolt spam. I do like the change because a lot of times I'd take a whiz because I want weakness or bane chant or hex. Like I don't actually care about lightning bolt three because you're doing what 
one wound four out of six turns if you only use it for lightning bolt. Now in mass, like the Jeff O'Neill style list or the crunch list, you've got lightning bolt three, lightning bolt three, and lightning bolt five. That starts to add up. Like you can you can stack it in that way. If you have a hero slot left and you're not taking a 35 point whiz with hex, I'd be very confused as to what you're after. Like not a lot of magic items are worth more than a drop and hex for 35 points. Trickster's wand's what, 20 points? And Trickster's wand can be blown up by another Trickster's wand. You could take three of them if you wanted, right? And he still has one attack on fives if everything goes... So Trickster's wand doesn't have an attack on fives. You know, stand him in front of a giant and the giant won't kill him. Sometimes you need a wizard to double time to keep your mincers from getting hindered in the woods, right? You just need them in the way. So to answer Temple's specific question... I have the list for this edition doesn't even have a wizard. My last like three versions don't have a wizard, but that's because I'm trying some very weird stuff. Nine times out of 10 on a standard all comers list, 35 point hex is probably going to be the new standard. No lightning bolt, no Bane chant, no fluff. Goblins really aren't worth making better. So just don't, but a 35 point hex is obscene. Like talk about your damage efficiency. You cast hex on a monolith once you did more damage than your whole shooting battery for a turn for 35 points. I would say you still might bring the Bane Chant too if you're running the flea bags or something there, right? You have so much confidence you'll survive to combat. Double it up with Hex, and then you're, you're doing Hex You know, whenever you don't need the Bane Chant. Like 10 points for Hex is definitely worth having. If you were paying for it before, and I was just saving 20 yeah. points for the, the Lightning Bolt anyways. Yeah, I was actually looking at just taking a... A whiz with scorched earth, a whiz with hex, and a whiz with uh, weakness is like three little tiny defensive batteries. Like that is three stupid cheap drops, and all three of them are a defensive spell that you use almost every turn. The only trade off would be the hex guy might be worth also putting on Bane Chant just so he never doesn't work. But yeah, if you want to take three wizards, go for it. But I don't think their auto includes at all. And they certainly don't have to be like three lightning bolt wizards anymore, like you said. You actually wouldn't. I probably wouldn't take three Lightning Bolt Wizards anymore. You're still going to take Alchemist Crystal, right? Now that it's infantry only, which it should be, that's a great nerf that needed to happen. Alchemist Curse is very expensive for a short-ranged ability to break defense six. And I'm looking at the points of that model, and again, for Alchemist Curse, I could just take a Mincer. There's the magic word. It's like salt to taste with Mincer. It's not cheap now to break defense six, and it shouldn't be. But without him on a horse... He's not bringing a lot to the table anymore. Like weakness, you're bringing that to the table. Well, let's get into the flagget, who is, uh, I think, one of the coolest changes in this list. He is 40 points. He is speed five, melee five, defense four, one attack, eight, ten nerve, individual, and now very inspiring. Uh, he can be mounted on a flea bag, which increases his speed to 10 for 25 points. But the best cool thing that he's got is he now has the Aura Strider Infantry only. And yeah, we, we kind of mentioned that in the opening. Yeah, okay, Rabble having Strider. Yeah, maybe it's not that cool, but I sure like Luggets, you know, screaming through the forest and or over the wall and hitting on fours because, you know, I, you set up with the Giant. Hitting on fours is like a gambler move. Like, it can be, like, awesome, and it can also be the flip side. Yeah, you one shot or you no shot. There's no in between. So this is nice. It, it kind of balances things out. Yeah, I mean, I know it's infantry only, so, you know, your your flea bags don't get it, but 
A lot of stuff in your army does. And yes, they were maybe only getting one or two points of damage a turn anyways, because they're not that powerful. They're hitting on fives. Hey, it adds a little bit more consistency. And to be fair, he's 40 points if he's on foot, right? And now he's very inspiring. I think you can make the argument that, you know, if you were going to buy a whiz and give him <laughs> the inspiring talisman, that's 45 points. Well, this guy's 40. And I know he doesn't have a spell. But you, you could give him the loot if you needed. You know, very inspiring. You know, you probably can drop maybe one extra source of inspiring in the list now. I don't know. What are you guys' thoughts on the Flagget? I think it's great. Yeah, I'll be using it. Let's take your comparison, Rob. Is it a wizard? So if I take a wizard with Hex and Inspiring versus this guy and the Hex item, or a wizard with Bane Chant and Inspiring versus this guy with Inspiring, and then if you want to look at damage output, this guy with Diadem of dragon kind still very inspires we've been running wizards with the diadem of dragon kind and the holy hand grenades since second edition was printed right two of them on a mount driving around so very inspiring is universal buff great strider awesome bonus i'll take the rabble off the hill now have a reason to care right i'll move them over but for me he's always been an analog to the wizard do you want the wizard with the item or do you want the banner bearer who can do it? It's still a clean toss-up, but very inspiring in a goblin list where a lot of our heroes are designed to run away. Kings on Chariot, Kings with the Formation, Grony Snark. Very inspiring is huge, because I know I've struggled to keep my core inspired because all our heroes are actually off doing stuff. So that one very inspiring bubble, pretty spicy. The trade-off is the bigot and him sort of fight each other for that role. When we get to the bigot, the bigot and the flagot want to serve the same purpose in the same list where they're inspiring like a very specific core. If you're running Spearman, if you're running Luggets, take the flagot every time. Like, I think he's an auto include with Luggets. Well, let's talk about the bigot. Uh, as you mentioned, the bigot is also a popular, could, could become a popular choice. Uh, speed five, melee four plus, defense four plus. He has three attacks. He's 911 and he is 50. He's a expensive 15, po- 55 points. Uh, but he does have crushing strength one, individual and inspiring. You can also mount him on a flea bag to get speed 10 for 25. And you can exchange two handed weapon. You can exchange two handed weapon for short bow, losing crushing strength, but gaining the ranged attack. Short bow, 18 inch range four plus for free. But. He now has an option, which which is interesting in that uh, you can spend 10 points. You can give him the sharpest stick, which is an aura vicious melee for sharp six only. Now, the difference between him and the flag is he's obviously more expensive, but he has a little bit more teeth, right? He could, you know, if you need the flag to land that one wound to disorder a, a dragon, this guy's got three attacks with crushing strength one. And, you know, it's a little bit more probable uh, but he is only regular inspiring not very inspiring right so so the flag has got him up on that um, and obviously the aura vicious melee for sharp sticks i guess if you take both then you you have you know sharp sticks that are uh that are strider and vicious melee i still won't use it i would rather use the flag for the very inspiring that extra three inches of leadership there is 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 is, cru- is critical. I, think. I just, I don't know. The bigots never really. I feel like we have so many other better hero options for more points or less points that he just sits in that weird middle spot of don't use. I think they should have just gave him but, vicious melee infantry. I mean, that would have made it more entertaining. It's still like we talked at the beginning. Rabbler's cheaper for unlocks versus you know sharp sticks, anyways. But you know. 
are you really taking them so they can do damage output? No, or you're not. Just taking them, you yeah. know, to to hold a, an area. If you're doing that, then why spend the fifty five points plus ten to give them vicious, right? Like, and then you just take the flag anyways to for very inspiring to cover all of your units. So the aura is going to get you what? Maybe one reroll. Maybe, yeah. Typically, per combat, you're still hitting on fives. There's a meme for the guy who takes sharp stick legions and runs. Like, if you're going to run sharp sticks and you have the points, maybe. But Vicious versus Strider, the math stills like a wash. You might as well take Strider because it affects everybody. And the other thing, if you're relying on those three attacks, like, to ground that dragon, your army's already in a bad spot. Like, I don't... He's not the... Three dice on fours isn't the volume we're talking about here. <laughs> to to make it work but no i i think there was a really cool idea to make him and i will say being one of the prince levels who inspires has always been cool like he's always been that i've got the points to upgrade a banner bearer now that he loses very inspiring he's no longer an upgrade to a banner bearer he's actually you're paying more to nerf him so i i doubt my bigots will be bigots they'll probably stay kings in my bigger games for quite a while well, let's move into the unit that everybody loves to hate, uh, and th- these are the Bangits. Speed 5, melee 6+, range 4+, defense 4, 3 attacks, 9-11 nerve, 60 points. Individual, makeshift grenades, 12-inch range, attacks 3 with blast, now D2, it used to be D3, piercing 1, shattering, and then uh, volatile explosives. When your opponent rolls the damage against this unit, rolls a natural mo- unmodified 6, deals 2 points of damage instead of each of damage each instead of one so uh he he dies quick i guess is is the thing right so i don't know i mean the the nerf here is that he's still you know 60 points but he was reliably getting you like what 1.5 hits and and now he's getting you one so it's a little bit less um i guess you just got to roll better right is that is that what it is travis you're really taking him so you get the shattering right but now with the flag, you can just put the diadem on it for the fireball, which gives out shattering. So better odds, and you have better odds. Yeah, that was. I mean, and he's cheaper, basically. John Paul does ask: Is the bang it still worth it with a slight nerf, or better to go with a whiz with an inspiring talisman or even a king? It sounds like if you're going for the shattering, there's other options that can still get you there at a reasonable price. The normal rule for the bang it was one bang it follows three war trombones, or you take them as a trio and they're their own battery. If your goal is to inspire, you're 80 points to get a bang at that inspires with a coin flip to hit and a coin flip to wound, or you're what, 65, 70 points to get a diadem with fireball, way better odds to hit, and you're not penalized for shooting individuals with that either. So there's, you're much more likely to shatter with the diadem, and then you get a very inspiring source in Strider. So the the bang it as a trio is still cool, but I don't think you'll see a lot of one-off bangets anymore. Like what I used to run or I know Travis is throwing a bang it in the corner. Cause why would you not, if you're going to shoot? Yeah. I, I think, I mean, the bang it's in my list drop out. I mean, he makes way for the bat, the flag and leaves me extra points. And uh, you can have more than one flag. That's not a bracket one, right? So we can have two very inspirings and cover 18 theoretical inches each. So you got two bubbles. That's the entire middle of the table with two banner bearers. And you can give them the boomstick and diadem. And you're still shooting as hard as wizards and uh, 
Bangets were previous. So I, I think the banner bearer is going to be the new thing, which means I have to freehand some banners because I haven't painted a banner uh, since Warhammer Fantasy. So there's that. Well, let's get into the Sting It. You know, great model. Unbelievably great looking resin model that's part of the um, Vanguard game. Um, and he is a speed six, melee three, four plus range, four plus defense, four attacks, nine, 11 nerve, 75 points, crushing strength, one duelist, individual scout, stealthy, vicious, throwing knives, 12 inches. He has all the rules. You guys aren't taking him, right? There's just too many other characters that are cheaper that do more work, right? He is a fluff choice and I am not talking to any fluff players. So we'll move on before Grony. I took him with wings before Grony. The duelist is pretty cool, right? Because, I mean, you know, four attacks goes to eight against the right character. But still, though, he's only crushing one. So it's like, ugh. I didn't win with him, Rob. I took just him. Shut, <laughs> well, you can shut something down, right? Like, that's the thing. I mean, that's why I take Magua, though. He hunted wizards. That was his purpose. But Grony does it so much better. Magua does it so much better. That, yeah, the Stinget is a great sculpt. Well, let's just talk about the king. We'll be a little quick because we kind of touched on it a little bit when we talked about the formation, but speed five, four plus melee, four plus range, four plus defense, five attacks, 12, 14 nerve, and 70 points. Five points less than a regiment, crushing strength one, individual inspiring short bows, 18 inches. You can mount them on a flea bag uh, to get 10 points, uh, to be 10 for 35 points. I wonder why he's 10 points more than you know your standard bearer or your bigot. Because he's the higher level, if you look at other lists, their prince level is 25, I think, and their lord level is 35. So I think they're just carrying that through, even though he's really only prince level for what a lot of armies are. Yeah, I mean, he gets one more attack than the, you know, the sting it, and two more than the bigot. So it's a little more potent in combat. He can take Jairus Pendant, uh, which gives the aura headstrong for 15 points. Uh, but you can't take this if you are taking the flea bag mount. Dino Lord, Kyle, you need to take us through this other upgrade called Grony Snark. Yeah, legally distinct from Tony Stark, which I hear is trademarked. Upgrade one king to Grony Snark, which is why most armies have one king. Increase to speed 10, gain the keywords fly, thunderous charge two, blast D3. It doesn't say you lose your crushing one or your short bow, so you keep both of those as well. Um, and then gain the rules for the mini wing it flight suit, which basically is every time you get an order, you roll a d6 on a one, it's aura damage one all. Friendly, foe, and self, no nerve check. So it's basically just cloak of death everyone that you can't control sometimes matters a lot and sometimes never matters. The main thing is you get a king who has a short bow that can fly. So turn one, he's moving and poking maybe turn two, and then on melee, he's five attacks on fours, blast D3. So he does something between zero and 15 wounds because he's crush one, thunder two. He is the most goblin of goblins because I charged him into a banner bearer Tuesday at Eric's house, did like one wound, and the game before that, he one-shot an actual horde of ogre warriors. So... He's a goblin. He lives by the fours and dies by the fours. But it's a, I would say, probably the most cost-effective upgrade in Kings of War to take for 30 points. I know you take him, Travis. No, actually, I don't. You've got that model sculpted up on the little... I do have the model sculpted up. He's like this big, right? In my main list, I don't actually take him. It's because you play for sports votes. Yeah, well, that's more a preference than anything, but... 
You know, I think a lot of people are surprised that he didn't get a nerf. He's still 12-14 defense four. Like, Lightning Bolt 5 puts him on his butt pretty consistently. You just have to have an answer for him like anything else. And he's, he doesn't score. He's still an individual, right? So, like... Chance to wound your own units is going to mitigate cost as well, I would think. Yeah, you can play around that a little bit. You can. The biggest change was as soon as they nerfed Host Shadow Beast, Grony, Grony went way down the meter into a really cool 1214 hero. And like I said, his upgrade is fantastic compared to a regular king. Half the time I shoot with him for like three turns because you don't want to suicide him either because he's so fragile. If you bounce at all, he's dead. So he's he's really a glass cannon. Um, I know I've beat Rob up with him countless times, but the second he bounces, he's done. Like you don't get a second chance with Grony. He has to be eliminating his target every turn. So a lot of times he becomes a war machine hunter, right? We use him to pick off the thing that's threatening the dragon or not the dragon threatening our giants and slashers turn one, shoot turn two, leap the enemy lines, turn three, charge a war machine or some variant of that is where I find myself. So for a hundred points, he's a much more survivable flea bag troop killing a catapult and then trying to find an enemy chaff unit. I don't leave home without him because my model's cool. See, not all goblin players are all about efficiency on the table. Sometimes it's just about a cool model. That's why of the three people in the panel, I'm the lowest placed Masters player, right, Rob? That would be true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shannon, take us into the King on Chariot, because I know you're a big fan of this guy. Yeah, I've used him for five, six years now, at least. I love this character. My favorite, my favorite goblin character in first and early second edition was the whiz because he had inspiring right so you always took him um after they took away inspiring my favorite goblin character was the king on chariot he just he's a little toolbox uh he's not so great that you know anyone puts a lot of focus on him but uh seven attacks gives him seven bow shots so when same as what Kyle was saying about Grony, you know, you're moving him around for a tuner turn or two or three. He shoots on fours, which for goblins is really good. Um, even though there's no piercing, so you can get him out there and plink a little bit. And then the big thing is just speed 18 nimble, right? So he can pivot, get in flanks. Um, if you're going to maybe charge something in the front, you can always use him to push other units out of train or move him up and run him around the side so that while you're holding something in the front, he can get set up to get a flank the next turn, try to put a, you know, a couple more wounds in from that direction. Uh, Like he's not out. I don't know how to say this. It's typical goblin, right? He's, he's, he's good for a goblin. He's not necessarily great in other lists, but he'd still be a a reasonable play in a lot of lists. I think just um, because of what he adds with the speed 18 and with the nimble as much as anything, uh, 13, 15. So, uh, 130 points for 13, 15 nerve, seven attacks, melee, four defense, four ranged four. speed nine is to me is the big thing. Uh, and it is nice now that he has one crush and one thunder. I think, I don't remember. I think he used to, didn't have the crush. So, um, I, I, before the, maybe before the big red book, I forget when they added that in. So that at least gives him a chance yeah, if he goes through terrain or something, then he still gets to keep the crush. Um, if he if he charges another character, it's going to take him a couple, three turns to kill it. So at least he gets the crush on on the counter charge. Uh, but yeah, I, I like him. I like the models. I, I um, put some work into one, was, was half 
kit bash together just from stuff I had. So um, I, I like the models. And like I say, I've been using them for six, seven years now, probably. Next up, we got the Troll Bruiser. This year, I decided I was going to, I wasn't going to take any war engines when we went to Crossroads with the team. So I thought, well, I'll take kind of a monster mash type thing. And the Troll Bruisers just fit perfectly in there. 110 points, speed six, melee three. So something goblins don't typically have. Defense five, 12, 15 nerve. So they've got almost as much nerve as a horde of trolls. They'll still suffer the, the wavering constantly if someone focuses on them. But because it's a single unit, they're less likely to have people focus on them. And they're just, you know, they're on a 40 mil base. They've got Crush 2. They've got Nimble. They inspire. So you can fit them into spots. You can get flanks um, against Eric. I had a rear that I don't know if either of us saw. Just because he was in combat, Eric countercharged, didn't waver him, you know, didn't kill him with a unit. And then I think literally like 11, 11 and a half inches away, Facing the other direction is his horde of siege breaker, or not siege breakers, horde of uh, shield breakers from dwarves. And, you know, he's got a rear on them uh, because he's nimble, so he can get around the unit in front of him. So they're just, again, they're one of those units that's uh, like all the 50 mil nimble heroes that people liked. Large Cav, same sort of concept, you know, maybe one or two inches slower, but 40 millimeter base, so he just fits all over the place. And I was running him, you know, I'd run one with chariots, I'd run one with my rabble regiments or hordes, run another one with the giants to keep the giants inspired, just had places to put them all over the field. I think they're they're a really solid unit if you're wanting to do that sort of mini monster mash. Totally agree. Yeah, I mean, that's why I let you take it, because that was my big thing is being nimble. They can do that, you know, corkscrew style charge to get around things. Um, they're at a decent nerve. Defense five, I mean, they... They're hard to kill, I mean, in all reality. so Orb of unit strength, too, baby. They're, they're not bad, especially with goblins having all the extra units around them. Like, I think some armies, they don't have enough to help with the troll bruiser, and he's on its own. But I think with goblins, you have all those abilities to get those, you know, charges you wouldn't have seen before, you know, fitting in areas you wouldn't fit um, just because of the number of units you have to create those gaps. Yeah, so. they play around the kill box better than a lot of stuff just because of how tiny they are. Um, yep. I like putting the orb on them. Same with the king on chariot. I like putting the orb on a king on chariot just because you have a speed 18 unit strength 2 to go annoy people at the end of the game. The troll has a role, and I think you nailed it, Shannon. If you want to play that monster mash, high drop count, everything, everywhere, chaos, the troll bruiser is great. If you just want to sort of play like a clean mixed arms list, I, I would struggle to see a place where the troll fits in over say a king on chariot or even just more generic unit strength bodies. We do have four unique units. We've already covered the luggers lads uh, when we talked about luggets. Uh, the first one is, is Kuzlo and Madfall. Um, and to be fair, I, I don't see him very much in goblin lists. You know, you do see him occasionally in ogres. I think it's just because there's so many cool characters, you know, there's only so many points, uh, but he is height three speed, eight Malay, three plus defense, four, Five attacks, 1350 nerve, and 145 points. He comes with Crushing Strength 2, Inspiring Self Only, Nimble, Pathfinder, Regeneration 4 Plus, Vicious Malay. Uh, while within six, he's got a rule called Ravenous Lizard. While within six inches of this unit, both friendly and enemy units have minus one to their waiver and route values. Sticky Tongue, this unit. This unit's enthrall spell only has a range of 12 inches. While casting enthrall, in addition to moving the target, roll damage for each 
hit scored. And so he's got enthrall five and hex three. So from a hex standpoint, that's cool. You got a unit that's got built in hacks. Um, the, I guess my theory here is why don't you see him very much in goblins? Because your leadership, your, 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 your nerve isn't that high to begin with. And now you potentially get him too close to your own stuff and you've dropped it by less. I mean, he's essentially giving nerve. He's, he's essentially giving dread, but not dread. Right. Um, on everybody. Shannon, I think Michigan GT a few years ago, you, you were running him in your goblin list. I run him. I like the hex three. So that's a big reason why I run him is just to have the hex source. And then what I'll usually do if I don't have a specific caster, I'm kind of eyeballing is I'll just put him out on a flank. By the end of turn one, you can run him away from your units if you're concerned about the dread. And, you know, he's speed eight. So you run him him up 16 inches. You can turn him in and be facing flanks if they aren't protecting out to the board edge. 50 millimeter base so he can fit up really tight to the board edge and still have room to pivot. And then uh, he has Pathfinder. Hits on threes, vicious crush two, so he's going to be wounding on, like re-rolling everything that doesn't wound a lot of times, right? Or, or worst case, a lot of defense five, you you'll just miss on twos. Uh, but having again having a unit that hits on threes is really nice. You should have good chances to get him in flanks or rears later in the game. I, I definitely could play him a little better, but I still feel like I get pretty good use out of him when I use him with my list. I haven't used him in goblins. I have used him in ogres. In fact, I played Travis in his brother Mark list. And, you know, I was running him, running him around with a bully and they would just tag taking stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. he's fun to play. I mean, regen four, he doesn't die very easily. Right. Uh, the problem is it's like, I always had him in the wrong spot at the wrong time sometimes. And you're like, Oh crap. Cause you know, some armies, you know, even ogres is 17 nerve. It's like, well now it's 16. It's like, Ugh. If the uh, the event you're going to is terrain heavy, Kuzlo is a really clean upgrade for like if you're running multiple kings on chariot, it might be worth upgrading one to Kuzlo because Enthrall allows you to punish really clean players because they're always the terrain right here and I'm squeaky clean. Enthrall five, you should get one success. That one inch pull moving a knight horde into terrain and making him decide to use J boots on turn two or just beeping that war trombone in front of an obstacle. And now it's impassable or all sorts of little pieces that enthrall can do. Um, it's a really strong tool, right? Shannon talked about, it gives you a tall source of hex. So you're not putting hex on a King on chariot to get tall hex, which means you're wasting seven bow shots. Um, really the biggest thing is what Shannon pointed out that hurts him. His main goal is to do flank pressure which we also have a formation that does, which we also have chariots that do, which we also have titans that a lot of guys will do giants in the flank. You also have kings on chariot that can do turn one pressure. So he he fits that we have so many ways to do the same role. What I would say is your, your play style and your meta is going to matter. But like if I'm going to Lady of the Lake, those tables are dense. Kuzlo should go to Lady of the Lake because there's lots of terrain. If you're going to Forge down south, they have tons of small terrain but many pieces of it. So Kuzlo has the ability to really punish. I say punish the better players because they're usually tight to terrain. They're like, look how cleverly I didn't touch it. And you go, now you're an inch to the left. Get wrecked kid. Um, And you can also use it to pull people into shooting range. And that 17 inch standoff that we talked about, right? If if you're going to stand at 17 and shoot me, he gives you an answer to the scorch wings. Let me enthrall you forward. And now you're in 17 sucks to be you. Uh, you're getting shot. 
Um, so there's there's little tools with him. Um, I don't dislike him. Mostly the reason I haven't taken him is because Billy gave me a really cool model and I haven't painted it and I feel bad. So I hide it in shame. But he's he's a tool for sure. Well, let's keep rolling. We've got Grup Long Nail Hero Infantry Spellcaster 1, uh, Speed 6, Malay 3, 4 plus defense, 4 attacks, dash 12, and 90 points. He's got special rules, Blast D3, Crushing Strength 1, Duelist, and Snare Individual. And he has Fulgur when attacking in Malay. If one or more hits are scored, the target unit has a minus 1 modifier when rolling to damage enemy units during their next turn. Any rolls the unit makes of natural six will cause damage, however. the This effect only applies once and does not work in with conjunction to weakness. I mean, in my mind, like, if you want weakness, just take weakness. I don't know. With the luggage idea with the um, flag, it might be entertaining to take. Having Strider and then the luggage coming in there, so that way if you do fluff, then at least the enemy's hitting you at minus one. I mean, for damage, I don't know. I tested him for a little bit, but every time I took him, he was taking the place of something that inspires. So, yeah, you're right with the flag at giving very inspiring. Maybe we don't need it, but there's for his points, we could just get so much other. What's 90 points that we could replace him with, Rob? Individual mincer. It all comes back to mincers. <laughs> I think inspiring, inspiring would make, would definitely help. I believe it's she, but you might run her with giants then, you know, because the weakness could be useful. I'd pay more to have inspiring because then it provides a utility to like run with giants or run with mincers or run with whatever. Right now, I ensnare and weakness is cool, but I could also just take a hero that has lots of utility and yeah. inspires, or I could take a big shield unit or, you know, a bolt thrower and a half. I took her on UB a few times running with giants, but again, just more for fun or whatever. I it's just tough again to fit in the list at a tournament when you've got so many other options that do more more keen to find how to fit kuzlo than than her every every time cool they do make some great resin uh whiz models though she's a nice model yeah and this one in particular is very really great i used it uh used the model for my grony snark at michigan gt so i painted the model up i like i like the model it looks good really grup's weakness is that magua and jews serves an almost identical role and i know travis uh might be the most prolific magua player in the world so travis with that introduction why don't you take us through the last unit entry in the goblin list so magua and joe's speed six melee three defense five he's got seven attacks 12 14 nerve and he's 150 points He's crushing two, duelist, individual, inspiring, mighty, vicious, wild charge D3, and he comes with lightning bolt four. Um, he's on a large cab base, which throws people for loops. It's always hilarious to tell him that yeah, he's still an individual, even though he's in your flank, but I've always got to remind everybody. So as a utility belt for 150 points, I, I mean, for the longest time, this was the most expensive unit in my list. Now that I'm trying to mess with the slasher, because he's got the beast keyword for the aura to give him more attacks. Um, but I used to run it back when Host Shadow Beast was great because he had seven attacks at hitting on threes and you Host Shadow Beast him and he honestly almost was better than Grani for averages um, because with Vicious and Crush 2. So, like, he just, I don't know, he's always been in my list being mighty. He always 
I've always got my points out of him for sure. He's Defense always putting five, wounds I mean, in that fight. Always putting wounds in. Yeah. I use them all the time. For the longest time, he was the I mean, only defense five unit in my list. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and being defense five, like, I know Adam likes to call him the mini vampire, who is almost better for points in general, because you're not paying extra points for stuff you don't need. You know, he's still got the threat range. His nerve may be a little, little lower, but I mean, he's still defense five. I like him because he's an individual someone actually has to, has to fully worry about, because if he does fail to kill something, he is defense five and stuck in front of you. And he's only 12-14 again, so he's got that classic goblin curse. What if he, you know, like to me, like he'll go up there in front of a horde and get wavered because he's defense five. That's fine. He's holding up a whole horde. You know, you still have to kill him because he's mighty. And you can park him in terrain. And Yeah. He is affected by the uh, Strider buff now. Stephen Malone finally got to play him on the table. And after I charged him the first time, he goes, let me see that that list. And he was like, this is just a vampire without all the buffs. I'm like, yeah, it's just a, a better vampire. No, um. Once you talked me into Magua, Magua's become a very hard staple to have or not have. Like the list I made for tonight, he's not in. But there's been a few times I'm looking over it like, you know, I could just drop a bolt thrower and a king and make it make it Magua. But uh, I figured you'd bring a Magua list, so I wanted you to shine. I mean, he's, all, he's in all my lists, though. He's so good. You never have to worry about me not having him. Plus, I like his model. His model's cool. The big, big doggy and a pokey guy. <laughs> and I just love when people are like, wait, he doesn't, he can't double in flanks and do all that stuff. And I was like, well, are you an individual? Then I can. <laughs> he's a great tool. Once you, once you convince me to try him, I've, he's been in almost every list. I know Shannon's got, got him too. You can fit him anywhere. That's the, I mean, being individual, he just goes wherever you want him to. Well, let's take a quick commercial break on the other side. We'll get in and we'll talk about some sample lists and talk about how you play this army in a competitive environment. We'll be right back. You're listening to Countercharge, and this is Tim Smith, your American Clash of King champion. And first up for you guys, give me a sense of how this army is going to change and how it re- how it fits into this new meta that we are expecting to see post Clash of Kings 2024. I don't think it's going to change much at all, Rob. I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, we had the least amount of buffs, nerfs, reworks I've ever seen in any edition of any game launch ever. We're going to stay sort of a blend between MSU Monster Mash and riding the line between going elite, going trash, that 16 to 20. Where do you want to be in that 16 to 20? Um, they'll still be the Donnies and the Mies of the world. Like, look, I brought 26 drops, but the average players in 17 to 19 drops, and I don't think that's going to change. Monster Mash isn't going to change. Really, all this did was it shuffled what kind of hero pressure we have around probably close the door on the bang it express being like a staple and then it lets shannon unretire so we'll see a couple <laughs> other chariot players come back brought chariots back to the okay these guys are great again goblins goblins will probably sit in the upper middle rank they're gonna stay hard to play and they're gonna stay tough to find your niche because we can't adapt to the meta we play a weird thing and I would say it's rock, paper, scissors, triangle, and we're in the middle, not really caring about all of them. So I I don't see any real changes other than we finally get to, you know, hang out with Shannon again. Travis, same question to you. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what I would have to say. I don't think we're going to, nope. If you're playing goblins, you're not chasing the meta anyways. You're chasing the green. At least I just chase how many units could I get on the to- board, so. Shannon, you, you have anything to add on that one? 
No, in fact, I was just going to go back with one of my recent lists because basically <laughs> nothing changed. Maybe I dropped <laughs> shooting from chariots and take a couple of magic items. But like you guys said, there were no points changes to any of the units I was taking. The giants get unit strength too. Yay. I typically ask, what do you take in this list to be effective? But really, you, the core of these lists are typically going to be very similar. It's the you know the spices you put on at the end. Let's just dive right in and share a list. Who wants to go first? I built a brand new one, unlike Travis and Shannon. I didn't recycle one of my 600 plus lists saved on the campaign. <laughs> well, to be fair, though, the, the decrease for the whizzes is just offset by the by the increase in the trombones. This one's called No Trombones, parentheses for Rob. Oh, <laughs> oh I love it. I, I hate trombones, man. They're I know, the bane of my existence. Just stay away from it. 17 inches. Pretty straightforward, buddy. It's two rabble hordes because you can't talk me into taking spear hordes. They're a waste. The, the points didn't math, man. Um, it's two fleabag chariot legions without short bows because you don't need short bows when your goal is to be a thunderous two unit. One has wine of elven kind, expensive unit. Uh, three sharp stick throwers. I gave Travis a bunch, of <laughs> but there's three sharp stick throwers in my list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there's two baby mincers. There's two wingets with bombs away because it's such a good unit. It plays the mission so well. And sharp stick throwers are lobbers, obviously. Hashtag uh, eye in the sky. I have Grony Snark. I had to compromise. I, there's no Magua in the list. Sorry, Travis. Uh, I took the new flagget with loot of insatiable dankness, a.k.a. darkness, a.k.a. Bane Chant Daddy, very inspiring. Um, I now have to find one of my wizards. I took a wizard with weakness and hex, no items. He's literally just going to run around being a weakness or heck bubble. He's 50 points. That's a stupid steal in my mind for 50 points to have hex and weakness on the same platform. He's going to be useful pretty much every game starting turn one or two. Uh, I got two kings on chariot, one with the orb of towering presence and one naked. So the naked one goes with the chariot legions and acts as a platform. And then Orb is that objective player. He's following around. He's doing stuff. And if you don't have a fast answer, sucks for you. And then I brought the formation. So I've got a Cav Regiment with J-Boots, a Cav Regiment with Helm of the Ram, and a King with Blade of Slashing, because you always want the fish for that extra six. Um, believe it or not, Rob, I'm at a pathetic 19 drops, 27 unit strength, which is two higher than my traditional list, courtesy of the Chariots. Um, and I have five sources of inspiring, <laughs> which mm. is like three more than normal for goblins. So I'm I'm pretty amped about giving this a shot. Um, but yeah, I don't feel like there's a lot of fat on it either. And it's got quite literally two combat flanks and still a bunch of in the middle. It's a list. It's a, it's a Kyle list. Mm. <laughs> pretty elite for me to take two chariot legions though yeah i was gonna say there's well you used to do it back in second edition with second, the giants yeah. yeah i used to win a lot more games back in second edition too Shane. well here you go and how's your chance i just wanted to point out that the sharp sticks immediately made the list as soon as the war trombone nerf plus the bang it so the war trombones i think are still good without the bang it it's hard to justify it as as a battery like it used to be so the sharp stick throwers came in travis you want to share a list so yeah, me going off of my one of my many old lists here. Ooh. So here's the list that has never won Masters yet, but always likes to be up there. 
So six hordes of rabble with a re rabble regiment. So there's all my unlocks. I need them. So I'm leaving the three trombones, even with the five point hikes. Three sharp stick throwers, three wingets with bombs away. Um, I'm trying out that goblin slasher um, for that extra five points. I don't know if the rampage will stay on it, but I am taking the um, extra trumpets. So I have the extra trombone. Um, normally I have a bang it with the inspiring, inspiring talisman, but that guy's going bye-bye to take the flag it probably with the diadem just to keep running for possible shatter, but we'll see how that works. Um, normally I have three wizards with lightning bolt. Um, those might change. I might take one with, you know, like hex or weakness or something just to change it up and make stuff cheaper if I need to. And then Mago's in there and then I've got a king with pipes of terror on the chariot. So I don't think it'll change a whole lot. I always like saying around at 2,300 points, 23 drops, just because everything averages out to about 100 points that I lose, and it comes out to roughly 26 unit strength. So really the only thing I'm changing for next year's competitive list of mine would be some of those character changes. Fitting the flag in, dropping the bang it, toying around with the wizards a little bit. That flag it in your list is going to make a huge difference just in the combinatoric value of those rabble. Like you're literally doubling their effective wound output, right? To go from yep. sixes back to fives and still having diadem. I think that'll be an overall win for your list. But I mean, there's a reason that that list archetype, once you learn how to pilot it, which is not easy, places near the top. You just have yep. to dodge elves round five. Yeah, elves aren't too bad. I don't think elves want to see that list. No, the, my the, normally my list has trouble with the uh, other goblin list. Anything height two that has a lot of um, units, so dwarves um, with you know their defense yeah. six height two because I can't I can't get the sight lines um, with the the core of the shooting on it. So like I'll shoot stuff that's large infantry things like that and shoot over units. Yeah, well, you've got the you've got the Pierce One curse, right? Like you're only Pierce One, Pierce One crush um, one stuff. So, you know, uh, rack racking because they have all the nerve, you know, and they're just they're height two. Trident realms, the Trident realms, I never really had issues with just because there's there's normally like 15 drops, and normally they take knuckers and things that are you know that are taller that my shooting can just visually see and shoot. Oh yeah, Luke's Luke's um, all height two Trident realms is uh, what gave me a nightmare. But, but yeah, Luke's Luke's Trident Realms would have been rough. Um, I couldn't break it. I don't feel like Trident Realms is as bad because they normally have fifteen or less drops, so I can get angles. And it's you know the the numbers of the list then show out show armies, but it's those yeah. ones that sit at that sixteen to nineteen drops that have a you know they're a pain in the ass. Two. And then I always have trouble with freaking. Adam's EOD mummies. So EOD's tough for goblins in general. They just don't care about our like medium chip. They 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 heal through it. But no, your list is brilliant. And anyone listening to the podcast who's like, oh, I'll just play that. Just remember, it's really hard to play that off the clock, let alone on the clock. Like I've Donnie's lists, my list, Shannon's listed. Goblins are annoying, but you gotta practice it. Like you will time out, especially trying to pilot Travis stuff with all the angles you have to line up with shooting, you can time out before you even notice. Matt Carmax tried it um, just to see because we were talking about what nerfs might come for goblins in the future and stuff when he was um, going to be on the committee. And uh, he took it to a tournament and just took my carbon copy list. And he, he did well. 
But it took him three games in a five-game tournament to finally realize it's not just sit here and shoot. It you got to find all the angles. You got to find the right, you know, where to put things because, you know, otherwise you make one mistake that the army falls apart. It's still rabble. It's still defense four. It does, you know. And you see it in the unit strength. We're we're the most drops, and our armies are not high unit strength armies, right? Ogres usually out US us. So oh, yeah. most armies out unit strength. It's because we got like eighteen heroes. <laughs> Yeah, you have all the artillery and all the... But your list is beautiful, so anyone who wants to get good at goblins, there's a reason Travis keeps almost winning the U.S. Masters, just like Shannon almost won the U.S. Masters. Always close. Well, Shannon, do you have a list you want to share? Yeah, I'll just go over my Michigan GT list, because very little changed, um, and I think it still play fine. So I had three regiments of rabble for unlocking heroes, and then I had three legions of chariots. The unlocks for those, I had a goblin slasher with the aura of rampage and two giants with um slayer and then my hero unlocks i went ahead and i took grony snark at michigan just to have something that could go hunt war machines if needed uh and then i took two troll bruisers instead of taking three i took kuzlo and i took two kings on chariots and i think i had like five points in magic items somewhere actually i had no points in magic items because i took grony Jareth's pendant, I think, was the only that that fifteen points at crossroads I'd turned into a magic item uh, because I had uh, another troll bruiser instead of Grony there, and I think I I think that's fine. I just I wanted to try out Grony to see how I worked. I hadn't used him before. Uh, I gave up a unit strength for it. Oh, by the way, my list would be fifteen drops and twenty nine unit strength now, which is Kyle was pointing out, right? Five, six, seven less unit. Sorry, drops, but more unit strength than what he had. Do think like maybe potentially could drop, definitely could drop one chariot legion. I think it plays well with two. I just had the third and I decided to take it. Uh, could drop one and then maybe you drop a chariot legion, drop both giants and take the second one as a take one as a slasher instead again with rampage or and then put the formation out on the side. Uh, I'd have to see what, what kind of points I needed to free up. Probably could drop a rabble regiment as well if I needed to. I think that would be fine as well. You'd have two flanks covered. So again, like I think we all have certain cores we like to play with. And mine's kind of two chariot legions and the two kings on chariot. And then you just fill in the rest of the points with, with whatever you want that you think will work with that that core. Uh, Travis is probably the one who's tied the most, right? Because you want the six war, in, war machines. And I don't know if you necessarily have to have all six heroes, but you're definitely wanting six war machines. So you're taking six rabble hordes. And then that kind of locks you in on some of your choices a little more. Mine's real lock dependent um, for how I built that that list. Um, so I have to have those six hordes and that one one rabble regiment just to get you know seven characters in the six war machines in. So and then what I'm running four monsters now too. So I mean, because I've I've even thought about dropping the uh, slasher and just adding in two. Mincers. <laughs> two mincers, just, you know, like... Please say mincers. Oh, that's, I mean, that's, you know, 180 points, and I save extra points for even more stuff. So it's kind of, you know, it, I'm tr- I'm just trying out the slasher right now because of the rampage possibility with Magua and um, the king on chariot, you know, and the extra, extra shooting prowess of um, the trombone. But, and he's got a big chunk of nerve. I mean, he is a yep. big thing to, sh- to try to fight, so... But yeah, we'll see what it ends up turning out before next year's Masters. But the core of my list will still be the same for next year, I'm pretty sure. 
the main difference in mine is I upgraded Ravel to Chariots, which means the lawnmower's gone, right? The Mincer mm-hmm. Regiment is gone. There's a few extra points in a King on Chariot instead of uh, like a, a Wizard or something. But I think the math will come out in my favor. And the minute they let me down, I'll just bring old trusty lawnmower back and Shannon can go back to having his fast stuff and I'll just go back to being uh, <laughs> a Mincer. So, no, I'm excited for Goblins. Mostly because the other meta's changing means we'll see less block height two defense six, I think. Like we'll see less of these super tight, hard to fight chunks. I and mean, that'll make our lives more interesting because I, d- I don't know how many more times I can face uh, Golik and friends on the table somewhere around table one or two, round four, emotionally. I mean, what? There were six or seven dwarf players at our masters. So, yeah. All running something similar to that where they had. Four units at height two, defense six. So yeah, well, I mean, Rob owns every army in the game, right? So you excited for Cock Rob? Clash of Kings changes are going to be awesome. I think in general, there's a few armies you mentioned. Goblins didn't get a lot of positive changes, but they they got a couple, and obviously a little bit of nerf. And same thing with like Basilea and Ogres. You can argue they didn't really get much. Or Rack and Slaves didn't get any. We didn't need it. Well, that's right. The ones that didn't need it didn't didn't get much. But everybody got something, and some stuff got really great. Like I think the flag. Uh, standard got you know the flaggers the standards i think you're going to have some interesting builds there whether it's you know some provide strider some provide a rampage aura some provide a wild charge aura i just think it's cool and i think it's a you know it really puts a spotlight on something that most people were not taking already and i think you know i I think the standards were kind of eliminated from the game when the conditional expiring went away. So there's so yeah. much inspiring. You don't need a standard. Well, maybe now you bring them back now that these guys are very inspiring and maybe you're able to go, Oh man, he's only 40 points or 50 points or whatever. And you're just like, Hey, I'll bring this guy and maybe I can cut something else. You know, I, maybe I don't need to add a inspiring talent. I mean, for me, you know, in the salamanders, I'll drop my battle captain. Right. You know, I've been running him with like, inspiring talisman it's like damn dude it's expensive yes it's not cheap no i think overall what with this review has taught me and listen to some other reviews is that this current iteration of the rc is very cognizant of the state of the game like i'm not seeing them put any effort where they don't need it with the exception of the melee wing it which come on all of you you're my friends you know how i feel about it you know you gave mammoth strider what's up but no, with the, <laughs> with the sole exception of the melee wing it, um, which you should just not even make a unit entry. This this has been a very good step towards a, a balanced, competitive, and casual scene for Kings of War. Like these rules are not clearly just tournament driven. Some of these are just great quality of life. Let's make the game more exciting, more diverse for for tabletop. So the Goblin Army tells me they're in the right way because they didn't change what worked. They didn't make changes for the sake of changes. What what scenarios do you guys want to see as a Goblin player? All of them. All of them. Anything that makes you come to my queue box. In terms of the two new ones, hold the line or stockpile, you think how you, gonna, you guys are going to play those fine, you think? Yeah, I'm not worried about either one. I haven't seen them yet. Kill is actually my least favorite mission. Kill, kill is brutal for us because we trade bodies for objectives. And when kill is the objective, you know, goblin players table a lot of people, but they also get tabled and somehow win a lot of times too. So kill... Kill's always rough. Um, my specific list style doesn't like to go second on loot. We don't have the ass to fight our way back through it if we can't pick up those tokens against a fast list. Travis might. He'll just shoot you off the table. 
But me and me and Shannon, if we don't get the first turn on loot, loot can be tough. You get that defense six, or you go against a scouting tree made up list with some ants and a hobbit, you're stuck. So there's there's a few ways, but all in all, you play goblins because you don't care what missions on the table. Loot's not a problem. You got chariots now. Oh, that's right. I have chariots now. That's right. I'm I'm a I'm one of us. <laughs> if you're playing like specifically a, a pick up the bag mission like loot, I love to set those wingets up and set the units up to just pick them up turn one and be facing. And you can spend the rest of the game just throwing bodies in the way and you win, right? So if you get the first turn against a fast opponent, um, and this will help the people playing against goblin players, right? Who maybe don't have the experience on how do I counter a wing it or how do I counter fleabag troops in loot specifically, you need a cross from the token and answer to a unit on it turn one facing sideways. Because on turn two, they're just going to pivot walk one move back and they're behind the enemy lines and you're never going to kill them again. Right. I've hid wingets in the back corner. I don't need to shoot you. If I'm winning flea bag troop in the back, you're not killing it. And if I'm worried about lightning bolt poke, I'll just run back, give it to a rabble horde. Loot is the mission that is the hardest. It's also the hardest for us to win. Cause if you can get it behind your lines, I'm not chewing through it to get it. I'm not built for that. So loots loots, my highest win loss like flip-flop there's not a lot of draws in loot somebody beats the crap out of the other person travis and shannon are you guys going first or second i usually go first now if i have the option with my list because i've got the giants i've got the chariots so i want to start moving stuff out and getting pressure if possible just depends what my opponent picks because i always roll bad (laughs) Uh, is this army new player friendly ish can be but it cannot be I would say, Rob, it's new player friendly. It's not new hobby friendly. Good distinction. Yeah, say it depends on how you put it all together. Because even playing against other people, it might not be friendly, right? Like, if you're on the clock and you're new, you're depending on your opponent. It might not be as graceful for you having some blunders and needing to, you know, yeah. take more time to figure out stuff or things like that so you could build a very new player friendly list right a couple rabble hordes a couple giants a couple heroes some mixed arms and you're like the formation and there's there's 2300 points right there with like 13 14 drops the standard king drops to move into like what shannon plays or what travis plays or me or heaven forbid you want to do what donnie does it takes a lot of hobby by extension it's an expensive army to play fiscally even with 3d printing it's it's a lot it's a lot of models. So you got to be able to paint it, prep it, and then you got to learn how to play it. But from a, how do I make it work? If you're all new goblins are super forgiving. You've got tons of bodies, throw shit away. But if you're a new player versus a really good player, I think goblins are very challenging. You know, say my list is over 200 models in it. Technically. Well, we've touched on it a few times. Let's succinctly explain the kill box. You explain the kill box. I think you kind of explain how an effective goblin list works for new players that might be playing against it or people that are picking it up. Kyle, start us off. I think there's two kill boxes. I think I'll cover the melee one, Travis probably the shooting one, and then Shannon will come in and tell us what we missed because he's Paragon. Well, he's the hobbyist of the three. That's what it is. The kill box is the idea that the goblin player uses that speed and that angle. And of course, I'm making hand gestures nobody can see. But you force the flanks, you force pressure to make the enemy come to you you deliver their units against their will where they have to go, right? You have to charge my models. You have to fight me here or I win the game. So when they come in, in the melee kill box, it's about having your monsters and your hammers positioned unchargeable, but ready to charge, counter charge or flank charge in between your units. 
So you build this really sort of staggered line, this checkerboard line. And as they close, kill you, don't kill you, doesn't matter. You have so many angles pointed at the front of your hordes effectively that on the turn they close, which is usually turn three, if they kill you, they have to choose to reform in a way that gets them like, is it a front and a rear? Do I take two flanks? Do I get a front and a flank? And that's the turn where all your little toys go to fight. It's really common when playing goblin players to think you're winning. Turn one, turn two, turn three, turn four, like, I've got this. Then on turn five, almost like clockwork, you lose half your army or more because all those kill boxes and traps have all been set at once. It's like the crescendo in the action movie when 50 trip mines go off. Um, the melee kill box, if you're playing against it, you want to watch for these slightly setback models all over and that giant that's pivoted just a little bit, the chariot that's pivoted just a little bit. You want to make sure you take time on your clock to put lasers on all those angles because really good players like Shannon and Travis, they'll take that chariot, they'll pivot it slightly. You'll think you're safe, but they know if I'm looking here, a cav regiment in the middle is going to get flanked. Like I know I can see it because I've done this formation 150 times. So take your time. For us, it's great. It's your clock. I don't care how much time you waste putting a laser on stuff. I'll even help you out. But the melee kill box is all about forcing you to commit to charges that whether you win or lose, I have the charges I want. So that's the melee kill box. It's it's a get you in. You have no good reform. That's the melee kill box. Yep. And the shooting style kill box is similar. Like you're just making your opponent pick bad decisions on what rabble they're charging or, you know, what other units they're charging uh, because what we're setting up is that unit charging is getting stuck in, in, and or killed that turn. Um, the most notable one is the war trombones with the bangets currently. Um, I, I like to have multiple different kill boxes set up um, in the way I play due to having wing eggs that have, you know, 12 inch range, but 10 inch move. So they're my mobile kill box. Um, they have enough, firepower to aid and stuff um, and honestly kill 14, 16 nerve defense four by themselves. Um, and then I like the, there's a long range kill box. I know Jeff definitely runs it more with his rock lobbers. He runs the long range style with the three rock lobbers, three bolt throwers, um, some lightning bolt. Um, I don't do the rock lobber version, but uh you know, there's, there's a few different styles of that uh, range shooting version. Uh, but the main kill box that everyone talks about is that tromp, three trombones with whatever supporting cast. Um, the reason I run a lot of the uh, Wizards with Lightning Bolt and Magua is because they have 24-inch range, so I can have them shooting other stuff. And then when I need them that turn for the kill box, they can contribute that damage across the the you know board basically into that you know defense six unit or defense five unit that has a high nerve on it with the trombones and the bangets um for that kill box so that's kind of why i like the you know lightning bolts more than other people would is to contribute those extra couple wounds that you need to make sure you get the kill but you know you're still setting up those angles you're still setting up what your a lot of goblin players want to set up what the opponent's going to have to do their next turn is the goal. So like my hordes, I position in such a way that I know this unit's coming into it. If I live, great. If I don't, what target priority is going to get shot next? 
you know, to increase the overall game of getting rid of units. Because other than Shannon's list, which was what, 16 drops? 15, you know, and most drops I would say are between, you know, super elite we saw as 10 to, you know, that 15 range. Shannon's still outnumbering stuff, but my list has 23 drops. I can sacrifice drops to create shooting death lanes, um, which is what my list likes to do. I will sacrifice a horde to kill two units, you know, so there's two different varying play styles for sure within goblins, just innately between shooting and combat. Um, and you can easily, between the mix of the list, have both those types of things together, um, just due to how goblins have so many choices. So, because a lot of people like to run three trombones, but then still run, you know, mincers and big, big unit flanks with the formations, um, things like that. So, well, Shannon, one of the things that's difficult for this army for new players is the clock. So, as you're a expert on clock usage, you know, what, what are a couple tips that people need to do to, to, to manage this army while you have this, this clock? It certainly helps if you can look ahead while your opponent's playing. I usually, you know, get engaged uh, in conversation or whatever, so I'm not always looking ahead. That slows me down a little bit. Every now and then I will be trying to think ahead, and then the, my opponent's asking me a question or trying to give me wounds. I'm like, wait, what? What's going on? <laughs> Uh, distracted, but definitely, you know, try to take advantage of of thinking a little bit ahead while your opponent's playing. One thing I know we all try to be social when we're playing, but I know sometimes that can be a problem for me. Talking, 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 and you need to uh, focus on playing if if you're running into time on the clock. Um, one thing too is watch for distractions. It's easy enough to have if someone comes to talk to your opponent while you're trying to roll dice, they get distracted. You don't want to roll you know, because they're not watching, but then that's eating time on your clock. So you just kind of have to watch those things. Uh, if you're more decisive, it's better. I kind of take my time and usually I'm thinking about two or three with some of the units. I'll be thinking about two or three options. Um, it's really turns three and four, I'd say, or two and three uh, are when you can spend a whole lot of time. So if you kind of have a plan in your head for where you want to be two, three, four turns down the road at the start, that will help out as well. I think uh, it will just make your decision process faster um, as you get into turn two, into turn three, if you know where you're wanting those units to go ahead of time. Uh, again, it's not, not something I do great, so that's one of the reasons why it, it takes me longer um, on those turns. And I've definitely had some 20-minute turns before, and that really eats, eats your clock in a hurry. If you do that, then you've got to make sure turn, turns four, five, and six, you're taking like five-minute turns, and you've just got to know exactly what you're going to do, have your dice ready to go. Charge, 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 roll the dice, and, and move on to the next turn. If you have a plan, you should probably stick to it. So, when again, when I played Travis, I, had, I didn't know for sure how I wanted to handle it until I saw his deployment because he had eight more units to drop after me. Once I saw his deployment before my first turn, I had an idea in my head of what I wanted to do. I started to do it on turn one and then way a couple of things shook out turn one or two. I changed my mind in the middle of the game and I probably should have just stuck with the original plan um, and gone ahead with it. So that can be something to, you know, don't maybe don't second guess yourself in a game. And if things don't go well, then afterwards you can think about, okay, what, what did I do that game? Uh, what can I improve on rather than trying to make a change mid game? Yeah, having watched uh, Jeff O'Neill play, 
he does what he needs to do to set himself for success. So he's got like, you know, having color coded dice that are certain amounts, you know, try to get rid of anything you can, you know, any decision or thinking you can eliminate from your turn, you know, being able to mark your shooter. So you don't have to think, well, did I already shoot those guys? Yeah, no. And, and actually have, you know, try to be as efficient as possible. Uh, because you have a lot of things you've got to do. Kyle or Travis, you guys want to chime in chime in here? I switched to like Tenzing dice, which are gambling dice. They're easy to read, high contrast, and blocks of 10. And each block of 10 is a clearly different color. So I keep 40 of them. Dan switched, uh, switched over to them. A lot of guys have switched over to them. They're easy to read, high contrast. They roll really well. And I keep 10 of each color, right? So I've got 10 orange, 10 blue, 10 white. 10 whatever and i always ask my opponent hey what's your favorite color and then i put that color in the box and that's what i use to mark random things or to denote like that color never gets brought into play so that gets used to say who's shot or have we already fought here whatever it is that i need to trigger a memory that color and for me it's usually blue because it's the hardest to read i use those i switched over to war chest creations getting the sticks rob that you have that has shaved minutes off gameplay like actual just minutes of having the sticks of three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, and acrylic. Some guys use the magic item cards because you don't have to forget it. You don't have to look up the rule. And then for me, I try to have a printout just of my spells, just in case I ever have to go, does that affect an individual or not? I can look it up while my opponent's moving. So I'm ready to respond. Like he's already moved. I know that wizard's going to get shot next turn. Let me look up my fireball. Does it get affected by individual or not? And then the last thing is turn one is probably where I spend a third of my clock, if not more. If my turn one goes well, all the other subsequent turns should really just be a decisive move and dice, decisive move and dice. Your turn one, for me anyways, is where I've had to learn to spend the most of my time. And if it goes well, all my other turns are just decision and dice, decision and dice, because you've already set the tempo for the game, like Shannon talked about. You made a plan, you're done. Um, anytime I try to make a quick turn one, I always push the clock on six. And it's it's uh, never worked out for me. So that's what I got. I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I mean, I have 25 green tractor dice that I use all the time because rabble hordes are 25 attacks. I have all the shootings less than that, and I just grab a couple dice and go with it. But uh I mean, I know for me, I, I have set kind of a template that I always follow for when I'm deploying. Uh, due to having 23 units, I have to kind of know what I'm going to do no matter what ahead of the game. Um, so my kill box normally goes down right away with a couple rabble hordes. And I mean, Shannon can attest. I'd probably have eight drops just pre-mapped out and said, you just put eight down and go for it, right? Like, this is where these eight are going to go. It's not, I'm not masking in. I'm just going to do it. Um, you know, normally that's central around, you know, an objective that I want to take or whatever anyways. So it's, you know, it's kind of my own scrying gym, basically, because most armies have to, you know, play some of their good stuff by then before I play my utility pieces. Um, but other than that, I mean, I know my my first couple of turns go real quick with my list because there's not a whole lot of decisions. I walk up five and maybe pivot here and there. But, you know, I, I definitely stick to my game plan, generally speaking, for the game. I don't. I don't try to adjust it. I've had more more luck sticking with it, and than trying to change on the fly. Deployment can be tricky. I mean, I've gone over to visit Eric, and he's just running through dry deployment in his basement on different scenarios to see what fits, what doesn't fit. You're trying to 
do Travis's list for the first time and you haven't practiced how it deploys, you can actually run out of space. Like it's, it's possible to not fit on a bad board edge if you're not clean. Um, even Rob's games of Min-Army can struggle to fit when he brings the big one and there's a castle in the way. Yep, depending on where buildings are. Be like, I guess it goes here. I think that's definitely one thing to consider too in sports analogy, but that I know there there's always the talk, are we going to take away what they do well or are we just going to play our game and focus on our strengths? And I think you know the pre-deployment is if you know this is how I want to deploy my army based you know I may have to shift a little bit depending on terrain, depending on the mission, but basically this is where I want to put my blocks of my units together. Um and then you just do that and don't worry about what the opponent does. You'll definitely, again, you'll be much faster on deploying. And as long as you feel like you can dictate the game the way you want to play it, I think that works fine. I usually kind of end up somewhere in between. I kind of have an idea of what I want to do, and then I will make modifications maybe on how my opponent deploys. Uh, but I'm not not saying that's the best way to do it. I think, you know, that again, that slows me down sometimes during deployment or later in the game versus just saying, this is my list, this is my strength, and I'm just going to try to cram it down, you know, effectively cram it down the opponent's throat like you would in football or whatever. And, you know, if they can beat you at your game, then tip your hat to them. Uh, you know, you beat me. Well, awesome, guys. Travis, start us off. Final thoughts on goblins. I don't know. I'm excited for some changes, honestly. Just, I, I enjoy the evolving of the game and continuation of changes and, you know, I don't think there's ever a sweet spot, so it's it's just nice. It'll change it up for sure going forward. Shannon, how about you? I think goblins still look good. I definitely need to see what some of the other changes are, and I, I probably won't look enough to figure out what the meta shift is going to meta shift is going to be. But um, just looking at goblins in isolation, I I think they still look solid to me. And over to Kyle. I think stuff looks good. I'm interested because this will be the first big overhaul where goblins aren't at the forefront of changes and redesign. We get to be the army that sort of keeps the status quo and is stable. So I'm not used to that. So I'm interested to see as a player what it's like to not have to learn half my unit options all over again, right? We we didn't get a bunch of changes. I'm interested to see that. And I'm actually really excited to be on the stable side and then rate the other armies and their power curves against us instead of the other way around. How are you guys going to do against Twilightkin? You know, the new boogeyman everybody wants to bring up. Just table them until they finally learn the rules, probably. You know, my list needs to stay back for an extra turn, having to play it at Michigan against Kyle. I was like, oh, what are all your cool rules? Let's just walk into it and see what happens. Uh, that turned bloody quick. They got a lot of nice synergy uh, combat play. Then I'll... A lot of vicious, a lot of yeah, they got a lot of damage output. Um but like as far as just the innate, like for my list, if I had waited one more turn, I don't it, it I probably wouldn't have had such a close game. And you know, what me and Kyle obviously with this is Prizolinsky we were talking about, like he even agreed, he's like, Yeah, you didn't need to do that that early. And I was like, I just wanted to see what you could do. Yeah. It's Michigan GT, I don't care. Let's see what happens. I need to learn it anyways. But the special character is stupid. Cal? Yeah, that guy is freaking gross. So, uh, Well, awesome, guys. I appreciate the time. As always, it's a Herculean effort to do these things, and we, we're on for several hours to you know gather your thoughts, and so hopefully folks have come away with a little understanding of how the Goblin list works. And if you're not playing Goblins, maybe it gives you an insight into well, how do you deal with it. What's interesting is it may not be apparent, but there's a, there's a synergy there, right, which is you have this 
massive bodies that you throw out to absorb the hit. And then once you've sucked them in, then it's, you know, it's flavor to taste, but whether it's, you know, Kyle's style of hitting them with monsters and other kind of Malay efficient things or Travis shooting them, you know, with the various things that you have access to, but it's still the same thing. You've trapped them. You've sucked, you know, you've taken the punch and then you counter punch or counter shoot. By the time they realize it, they look up as turn five and most of their stuff is dying. And they're like, oh, I didn't realize that I just w- was suckered into this because you give them what looks like visibly like, oh, this is a great, oh man, this is fantastic. I'm going to charge this. I'm going to, yeah, that's how it starts. And then you realize you've, you've been, the bait and switch has been pulled on you. Goodbye from Countercharge. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, or by commenting on the Countercharge Kings of War podcast Facebook group. If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.